Hey, hey, everybody, it is time. Later time than usual, and that's a thing, but it is time. We always do our thing. We have just returned from Ice and Fire Con, all three of us. We'll say a few things about the con during the mid-roll, other than to say we had a fantastic time. Right? Super awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> and we'll have more to say uh, as well on Wednesday when we have Shea and Lady Gwynn on, because they both attended as well. Uh, so we don't have any photos or images either of the con or of the episode yet, unfortunately, because we, um, when I say we just returned, less than an hour ago, we got to the house. <laughs> We've touched down at Hartsfield Airport maybe two hours ago. I think Shay did say she could get at least one photo up. <laughs> there is one, yes. I, I, I should, I should, uh, yes, good correction there. We do have one photo for the second half. <laughs> So really, normally after a long trip like this, you, we should be resting, but what do we say to the God of rest? Not today. Damn right. Not today. You by the time this... An hour and 18 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Di- by the time the stream ends, it will technically be tomorrow for us, so then we can rest. We, we may also have some extra cat thunder today. It's a feature of our show that sometimes cats interfere, <laughs> but, uh, you know, because they haven't seen us in a while, so, you know, we'll see what likely. happens. Yeah, a little more likely. So I'm happy to see you all today. Thank you for waiting up if you did. And I guess a few of you probably appreciate this time more than our usual time. So that's nice, uh, changing things up a bit in that regard. Apologies to people who couldn't make it because of the time change, though. And is, that's the thing, though, right? And no matter what you do, there's maybe always going to be somebody that doesn't it doesn't work for. And that's kind of a theme for this episode. Uh, the battle played out in many different locations, had plenty of different plot lines happening, but we approach battle episodes differently in general because they tend to focus on one event. And even though there were, like I said, a lot of things happening during the battle, it's all one location, all kind of rotating around the same basic scenario, which is very different than most Game of Thrones episodes that have ever been made, where there's lots of locations, lots of plotlines, etc. We also recognize the episode is a bit divisive. That's kind of what I was getting at with the uh, commentary at the beginning here. Some people are mad that other people liked it and some people were mad that some people are mad that other people didn't like it you know the, both sides of it so to that end uh we're gonna do something for everyone half uh roughly half the episode will be praise the other half will be criticism and when i say praise we're gonna we're gonna be pretty praiseful when i say criticism we're gonna hit it pretty hard so uh in both cases we're gonna be analytical we're always gonna that's always our focus and of course there's gonna be some puns and bad jokes in there too because that's also always our focus uh, so we're going to start with the praise, move on to the criticism. So I encourage you to check out both angles here because there might be some things you didn't think of. Might be some things that change your mind a little bit. Might be something that moves you more towards the center. I don't expect anyone who hated it to like it after watching this episode. And I don't expect anyone who really liked it to hate it after hearing our criticism. But I do expect people to maybe see a few things differently. And you never know. Maybe, maybe an opinion or two will change dramatically. Who, who knows? But if you're not ready to hear criticism of something you loved... Fear not, you'll have ample warning before that phase of the episode starts, and if you didn't like it and don't want to hear us praise it, then I advise checking out of the first half and coming back for the second half. Uh, We already have a super chat. Thank you, uh, Thomas Pappas. He says, for our dedication to the watchers and listeners, yes, that's uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, Tommy, good to see you at Ice and FireCon as well. I had a panel with him, even. Excellent, excellent. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing a shirt he gave me under my sweatshirt here. I got this nice uh, Blackwood sigil shirt. Yeah, shout out to our History take, of Westeros. Take it off all the way. <laughs> take it off. <laughs> all right. Shout out to our History of Westeros mods. Four of them had a panel together. 
So um, it was very cool. It was a sigils panel, and uh, they they made some shirts for the panel. And uh, yeah, this is one of them. So you talk for a sec, because I'm gonna, you know, I'm strip. gonna be just in awe over here <laughs> watching this moment. <laughs> Blackwood Power. One one quick little thing I'll say is it, it, especially in line with things we pointed out in the past, is that people come to Game of Thrones for different reasons. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um but like literally last episode we were talking about the idea that, you know, thing we've observed what makes an episode big. And, you know, we especially in the past couple of years since I got into Twitter or whatever, I'm a little more in tune with the pulse of the fandom out there, you know. And whenever you get an episode with big surprise, big emotion, or a big battle. There's big excitement. There's big fallout or whatever. And last week, people look for big battle. Like, oh, this episode's boring. Nothing happened. This week, people are looking for character development. You know, look for big emotion. They're like, oh, just a bunch of nonsense. I can't even. It's too dark, you know. <laughs> so, uh, and even within or outside of those mentalities, there are some people who are, like, really keyed in on a certain character or a certain plot line. Some people, like, really love Jamie. And they zone out. They don't care. This thing with Arya was good or bad. Whatever. I don't care. Get back to Jamie, you know. <laughs> so, uh, I, and I know I'm that way too. I have certain characters, certain plot lines, certain expectations. I'm yeah. not as excited about battle things. Yeah, you've so. never been a big battle guy. That's and that's not just a Game of Thrones thing. You're not a big battle yeah. fan. And other we watch a lot of shows yeah. together, and that's been consistent with you for sure. Um, as we've been as we started doing last week, we're going to take all of uh, we're going to take questions a little more methodically. Uh, but I do want to take one question that that was given to us before we get into it. Uh, a, a typical recurring question, which is from Rebecca Androli this time. What you drinking, Sean? You know, this is maybe not as exciting as often because I've had this before, maybe even last stream. It's that uh, pomegranate, blueberry, naked drink mixed with Dr. Pepper. Yeah. I don't have my regular big old glass. I'm, a few things out of sort <laughs> rushing back <laughs> home to do this episode. but Very true. I my drink sorted out. I don't even have coffee. You know something's wrong. I, I didn't even have time to make coffee before we got home here. I was just this pathetic Dr. Pepper from a drive-thru. Come on. I yeah. don't even like it. It's too sweet. <laughs> I, I have a bunch of messages that I have to keep up with. I'll be doing that this year. <laughs> no, I have notes on here. I, I, haven't might be checked checking. The, I haven't checked the baseball scores. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let's get into it. I had a new it. thought. Like, as I was coming, as I was yeah. my drink, I have this whole new train of thought to get into. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, a good reason to tune in on Wednesday as well, because as always, we've had, when we have more time to think things through, a few different takes emerge, sometimes some significantly different takes. But as always, the initial reaction in these first 24 hours, there is quite a lot to say as well. So. So let's do that. I really like how it started. This is, again, we're starting with the praise. So if you don't want to hear praise, time to check out. I really like how it started. You get Sam, you get like a, you start with Sam and then it transitions to Tyrion. And they're just kind of walking around in this pre-battle, you know, uh, setting where people are, are very nervous. You can tell they're, they're, they're kind of stay, stay distracted. But Sam is just, you can tell. And it's a good person to start with because he's probably the most terrified of the people who are actually going to do fighting, right? There's people in the crypts who maybe you could argue are more scared than Sam, but other people who are going to try to fight. Sam's our kind of like guy who maybe a lot of us would most identify with if you were in a battle. <laughs> There's certainly a lot of other characters in that same uh, position. They're discombobulated. They're, they're scattered. They're not sure what they should do. They're scared or whatever it is. But he's the one that we know best, right? I expect those characters that were being fed by uh, by Gillian Davos last episode, those guys probably feel kind of like Sam. Where do I go? Well, really, I'm going to fight now. This is happening, huh? You know. Um, but he's the one that we know best. You know. Yeah. So that's good. So he's he's kind of like our 
our, our vanguard for that sort of character. It might even be telling that this, that Sam, even though we've seen him be brave sometimes and seen him try to point out that he's brave, however much he really is or not, he's still scared. He's still yeah. scared here. <laughs> like, yeah, no doubt. It plays out the way he plays out. Yeah, he is. The terror comes out for sure. Um, so we, we follow them around a bit. There's a lot of preparations. The, there's, um, I believe there's no music during this open part, which music has a way of affecting a scene emotionally uh, in a lot of ways, as we all well know. But the lack of it can also be very, very emotional as well. And they were pretty careful with the music here as usual. It's one of the things that I pretty much can... It's one of the few things that you can just never complain about, in my opinion, is the music. There's something I've never been able to find a criticism for. Not that I've looked, but <laughs> this is one thing that I've never criticized even a little is the music. There are a couple times when I could see people, or maybe even they probably did, when, when Jamie got his hand cut off and it cuts to that punk music. <laughs> yeah. Someone maybe, though, it makes it out of flavor or out of place. But okay, but yeah. I, but I didn't. I thought that was good. It's a good, uh, I don't know, subverting expectations. Sure. There's value yeah. to that, right? So w w when we have this, uh, we have a lot of these different scenes. Like I said, people setting up. We have Grey Worm, we have Brienne, and we have Jorah, and a lot of a lot of these different things. Kind of just uh, picking up almost exactly where the last episode left off, which is kind of nice. I like it when they are able to do that because they they usually don't. And uh, the first surprise, of course, of the episode is just Melzandra. This shows up. That was surprising. <laughs> we knew we figured she would. I mean. It was maybe it shouldn't have been so surprising, but but our predictions were uh, were we missed a bit on this one. We thought that surely she would come back with someone or someone something, and she did not. Something I want to point out, for better or worse, a lot of my predictions are like, falling apart this episode, <laughs> and maybe even why I or other people are upset with this episode. Like that's not how I thought it would go. They yeah. did it wrong, you know. <laughs> you're right. Expectations uh, can really be subverted, and you're right. In an episode like this, there was also. To that same point or related point, episodes that get built up this much. I mean, the, the pressure, the like build up, the, oh my God, what's going to happen? It's the, the expectations are understandably high for something like that. Maybe not everyone, like someone like you who isn't a big fan of battle episodes probably didn't have as high expectations, but probably higher than you usually did for a battle ec episode, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Especially knowing how long the episode was and how much they put into the filming of it. And Yeah. I just wanted to say, and I'm sorry everyone for my hoarse, hoarse voice, but I, I I was expecting maybe Melisandre, hoping that she would come back with people or something like that. But I do think she came back with something. She came back with knowledge of how to do these spells. Okay. Um, we just didn't. We saw that off screen. Her learning it. I imagine she went to Volantis. She said, "Hey, I need to learn how to do this," and they taught her. That's possible. That's I, entirely possible. It I, would make sense because otherwise, like, why did she leave the continent? You know? I, yeah, I didn't even have a thought on Melisandre that. Um there's not a whole lot really backing us up, but maybe some perspective from the books might help a little. This is this is a thought I had, that maybe the closer in both time and space she is to a moment that she's prophesied, the, the more accurate it is. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. If she's like seeing something in the flames that's supposed to happen like next week, she'll be pretty accurate with it, right? Yeah. Um, and if she's seeing something in the flames that's supposed to happen like three miles from where she is, maybe she'll be accurate with it. But she might have seen these visions with Stannis on another continent 10 years ago. And so it's kind of vague and hazy, but it was so big and so important she took action. Mm. But as she gets closer to the time and place, she starts to... Now, keep in mind, when she already has that in her mind, it's Stannis, right? She might misinterpret it because she's already on his path. But once she realized that path is wrong, I, I, and this is what I'm building up to, is I wonder if she had to go back 
if she has some, I'm going to say this, source of power, source of strength of Lance, she had to like recharge her battery. She had to go mm-hmm. back to her home temple. Need a good mana to potion. Recalibrate. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So like, anyway, that's not, that's come back not, with it's the not, right not, vision, it's not you know? important. The point is there are reasonable explanations. We don't know what they are, but, yeah. but Ashea has given us a good example of one that totally fits and there's related ones that do as well. And, we get our first pretty epic moment of many epic moments here. Super cool. You kind of know what's going to happen. It's That's something that you know is awesome when you fully see it coming. Like, you don't see it coming, like, right away. But as soon as she's, like, lift, the, tell them to lift their swords, you know exactly what's going to happen. You know she's lighting all of them on fire, and you're like, whoa, that's cool. And then when it actually happens, it's even cooler. <laughs> and it's even cooler when you're in a room full of 60 or 80 people who literally stand up and cheer, whoa! Like, we went crazy. Yeah, that was so <laughs> fun. Yeah, just like, that. holy crap. And then, you know, you have... It's cool because it gives them some morale. Maybe it gives them... You can see even Ed. Ed's like... Almost, most people just kind of look at it and are like, okay. But Ed actually smiles a little. He's like, yeah. all right, now we're talking, you know, so... By the way, a little defensive thing is being attacked a lot. It's hard to get that moment unless it's dark. Good point. Yeah, Melisandre's showing up, that single torch in the darkness. Like, several moments, you get these really good visuals... That you can't do if it's yeah. dark, you know. Thanks to the yeah, thanks to Melisandre and the dragons and the fire pit and all the things that made this episode easier to see. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the real MVPs, <laughs> the light sources. <laughs> um, okay, so so that was really cool. Then we move on to uh, Danny and uh, John. We get to see where they're at and a couple other quick moments, and then they charge and we'll discuss. The sense or lack of sense of this charge later, but as a spectacle, it was so cool. It was really amazing to see all those lights because you see them go, and then the sense, as uh, you see them have to flicker out, like the emotion behind that was really powerful. Like, forget, like I said, forget any kind of logic, just the emotion behind that was like, wow. The lights are all going out, and it's just, all that morale they just gained just went right back down. In fact, it may have gone back lower than it had been because yeah. they just lost a huge portion of their troops. And maybe Ghost, which people were worried about, which we later learned he, he probably didn't die. But that's, a, that's, that's for later. I, I did call it, by the way. As soon as we like sat down from cheering those blades being lit up, I sat down and I turned to Rita of the Copper Main next to me and said, they're going to be extinguished. It's <laughs> yeah. going to be dreadful. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's, yeah, it's true. And you're right. And you're right. It was a good call. And the, sim- the symbology here was off the charts with a bunch of half moon flaming swords and then these f- moon comet meteor things flying over them as they're charging. That was a- another just amazing spectacle that just added to it that was just so cool. Uh, but yeah, but then it became very sad. By the way, <laughs> very someone, quickly. it might have even been you at that moment. She's like, lift your sword. They lift, she grabs, they all light up. And then after that, Jor draws his sword. Yeah. So I was like, Jor, what the <laughs> Too late. <laughs> it's like, light my sword too. <laughs> you missed one. <laughs> and so, yeah, from Danny and John's point of view, we get, well, we get to see it from a couple point of view. We see it from Danny and John's point of view, and we see it from uh, the, the rest of the soldiers on the wall and the Unsullied's point of view from the ground level. But it's Danny who has the strongest reaction, and it's understandable. These are her people. She brought them over, and to see them just slaughtered is really hard for her. And it's important to keep in mind how, you know, this is something that John would do too, that he, <laughs> he did it with Rickon. <laughs> He's like, don't stick to the plan. And she did not stick to the plan. And since she didn't stick to the plan, John didn't stick to the plan. And well, it all worked out mostly in the end, but I am okay with this because 
you can't have battles that go perfectly. You can't have battles that where things don't uh, come up, where things get out of control, and especially this. If we're adding all this up, desperate. They were desperate. They didn't think they could win. They didn't have that much time to prepare. And these, none of these, not a single one of these guys in charge is an experienced battle commander. They're, yep, let, me, let me be clear there. A lot of them are, are experienced fighters. Brienne hasn't led troops before. Jamie has, but he's not in charge. They didn't really trust him to do that. Bronze John Yoyce was nowhere to be seen. He would be an experienced commander, but he just seemed to vanish. John isn't that, it wasn't leading troops. He was on the dragon. Davos, maybe? Uh, Davos led them at the Battle of Bastards, but he wasn't a commander. He admits that. He's like, I'm not really, he's like, he was kind of de facto commander. He's like, I'm not a fighter, you know, like, I'm not like a lead by example guy. And he's not like a guy that understands tactics really well. That's the point I'm getting at, is that the planning phase that some people criticize, and we'll get to the, the criticisms of that that we agree with, but to defend it, these were all people that were desperate, unprepared, and no one has ever faced an opponent like this before. Yeah, even if Anything you had similar. whoever Stannis or whoever you think is an experienced battle commander, how much experience did they have against an army yeah. of undead, you know? Yeah. Like uh, one complaint I saw was the ditch wasn't deep enough. Maybe they just didn't have time to make that ditch yeah. deeper. You, you know? know? You, uh, Digging you ditches cannot is get, That is frozen ground, In too. fact, I've made this same complaint before. Whenever someone, like, digs a grave, like... You're done, then you now have blisters on your hand, <laughs> your shoulders, your arms. You're not like yeah. running around spry the next day after digging a grave for someone or, or yeah. ditch or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. a huge amount of resources to do that when already food is a concern and all these other issues that have to be dealt with. Like, it is a thought I had. They should have had eight trenches. Like, well, yeah, they should have had a year to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> they should have had more soldiers. They should have had more archers. Like, when I saw a complaint that's why weren't there more archers shooting? It's like, they just didn't have more archers. Even if they had more archers, <laughs> how much wood do they have for arrows? How yeah. many dragon glass bolt? There's a limit on how many materials a, a they have complaint, well, yeah. to put it together. That's exactly you know? true. Like, people complained, was that, why didn't Theon have dragon glass arrows? Like, well, because fire arrows already work. And there's only so much dragon glass to go around. Like, it's the one thing that you can light on fire manually. By the way, right? did he not have dragon glass? Arrows? I think he was. Ever, I think every arrow was a fire arrow. Maybe some of them were dragon glass. Maybe they, they gave be him a few. both. Going to be dragon because that seems unnecessary. But it looks cooler if they're on fire. The, part of why I ask <laughs> is because they they just died instantly when they got hit. There was no like collapsing, yelling yeah. last minute. They were just whoop, dead, you know. So I I thought he had flaming dragon glass. That's what I thought. Yeah. Like, um. Just no, I like I, I. Here's a comment from our f- friend Joe, National Forest Tourist, says, who says no plan survives first contact with the enemy. That's standard military oh. wisdom. <laughs> oh, and this is also another point I wanted to make, because as far as I know, because I don't think we know, I don't think they ever said, the Dothraki might not have followed the plan either, right? Yeah, they did anyone have, order them to charge? Yeah. Like, I, I don't remember the, that. The they my, just maybe just charged. <laughs> right, it, it, and it's easy to imagine. Like, maybe they were. Maybe it was part of the plan to charge, and it was going to split, uh, whatever. But I can easily imagine, especially after they just got this morale boost, with the swords lit up, and one overzealous frontline cavalryman thinks he sees something. And they all out. just follow. And, that's and then one other, his brother or whatever, like, ah, and he goes. And now the commander of that unit's like, well, I can't be less brave than him. So he goes. And all the other commanders go. And that's it. They're charging now. And yeah. Who was going to stop that once it starts? You can't. Yeah. yeah. They can't hear you if you say stop. Yeah, <laughs> even if you would. Yeah. Even if they would listen, if they so, could hear. Yeah. It's a good point. And let's let's talk about the strategy of attacking. Like, why? Some people are like, why did they even do that? It was just seemed like they just threw themselves away. Like, well, for one thing, cavalry aren't very useful if you, if they don't get if they can't charge. Another thing is the Dothraki aren't exactly a sophisticated unit. They're a dangerous, powerful unit, but they're not sophisticated. This is like the only method of attack they know is to charge the frontal assault, the charge. They don't really, they haven't trained for the thing. And Sully, as we saw, had a variety of tactics and they used them 
and it was it was cool. Right, they're not used to using trenches or walls. Right, part of their. But the Dothraki, this was totally new to them. Plus, again, I have repeat that no one has ever faced an enemy like this. Most most tactics are devised with the human mind in 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 uh, as part of it. Like when an infantry unit engages with another infantry unit for the purpose of holding it in place, so a cavalry unit can hit it from the side or the back. Part of the reason that's so effective is the fear it generates. It rolls people up. Their morale just is crushed instantly. It's also effective as just as a military maneuver without that. But obviously, the fear aspect does not apply even a little here. You can't scare the dead. Yeah. <laughs> and also, usually, there's a limit on what's coming, right? Some, some yeah. combination of the number of troops you have and the the morale or capabilities. You know, they're... These guys are on suicide missions. They'll yes. just plow into death nonstop. And yeah. you see that matter in other ways, you know. You're right. It's, it's so the, exactly it's like they don't have like the same thing. Like you don't when you when you have two like phalanxes go against each other, you're not you, you don't plan for one side to just start throwing their bodies at you to to weigh you down with just the sheer weight of it, just sacrificing their lives. It's just, it's nothing that People, I've seen a lot of uh, people focus on the medieval tactics here, and I just think a lot of them, and there's some good complaints, which we'll absolutely get to. I think some that apply even no matter who the enemy is. There's some things that just about this battle that I'm just like, eh. But some of the strategy complaints I've seen just do not take into account how different this is and how little time they had and how, how inexperienced commanders are. Frankly, if they had had a great plan for it, that would be unrealistic. They <laughs> yeah. didn't have time for that. They don't have experience for it. They don't have, yeah. And also, even a great plan... Isn't necessarily going to work in a scenario, you know. If you yeah. have, if you have a phalanx, is there a set number of troops for phalanx? It's like eighty or it it, it depends. There's there's it's it, the Greek the Greek phalanx had a had a standard front and a standard back, like a standard scenario, and then with the the I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but the the Macedonians defeated the Greeks by changing that pattern. That was one of the big things that like innovation was they changed the depth <laughs> and length and and the length of the the spears themselves. But that's all. But let's anyway. just say whatever mm-hmm. unit it is, you have a hundred. And you're facing a hundred. And let's say you're better, right? You have this organized phalanx, your Dothraki screamers, whatever it is that makes yeah. you better. And so they your their hundred only kills your front row of ten. Okay? Yeah. And so at that point, it's the other side's like, uh, we can't do this. Uh, let's withdraw, maybe retreat, regroup, come from we'll figure something different out, right? Maybe if they have two hundred, like maybe they send another hundred. What if they have ten thousand more? It doesn't matter how good or bad you or they are. Yeah. You just you're just not gonna your hundred are gonna die. They're gonna get overrun eventually. You're not gonna no good plan is gonna save you in this moment. You know? Yeah. Doesn't so, mean you shouldn't have a good plan or you shouldn't right. be reckless, but I'm just saying that it, it it's hard for us to think of what the the good plan could have even been in a first Exactly. Place. I've seen like all the other suggestions for how to use the Dothraki have very big flaws as well. And that's an issue. It's like, well, if you can't think of a better plan, it, it's, I don't like the phrase, if you can't think of a better idea, don't complain. I don't like that phrase, but sometimes it applies, <laughs> you know, like as a general rule, I don't like that. That's kind of dismissive. But I think in this case, uh, you have to consider how desperate they were. Like you, you take desperate gambles when it's your only option and you don't say, Oh, that was a mistake. You say it was our only hope. There could even be other factors here that are hard for us to consider or realize. It might have even been neat to show, but what if Danny was like a show of commitment to the battle? Like my troops would be in the front line. Mm. We'll charge first. That, yeah. You know, that might I mean, that might be their thing. They're like, we're, we're, this is, this is our way. You know, the Dithraki, they're a warrior culture. You know, I don't know. Uh, and then also think about it this way. If the whites get up to a charge, then they're the ones inflicting all this momentum with their speed. If you can kind of break their charge by hitting them even harder, break up the momentum. It's it's rough to call it a formation, but there it's a mass of dead bodies. But if you can 
disperse the mass a little bit, it, it hits. It, it's a lot less effective. So not as many hit your front line all at once, or as or densely. with less velocity. It's, yeah, yeah. less densely. Because that that was a huge thing. Like you said, the density. One thing we a, a recurring theme was that our front line guys would get swamped and overwhelmed, and it almost looked like they were going to die, and it almost looked hopeless in some spots. But then you have like Daenerys fly by behind them and knock out a whole bunch of the ones behind, which breaks up that density and the press lightens significantly instead of like 50 whites pushing all of a sudden it's like five and they can push back against that you could just kind of make you know imagine how they could push back against that wave of i'm just make up an under like a hundred versus your hundred that front wave that like comes across that maybe because you're better trained soldiers you might be able to beat them but there's a hundred more right behind and you can't do both but danny killed a hundred right behind so now they can deal with this hundred for a moment you know yeah um, so let's talk about, okay, so that's a good, uh, that's a good talk about the Dothraki. You know, there, well, actually, one last thing. Some people thought they should have been used on the outside, been held back to kind of charge around the side. But I don't know if that would have even worked because the Army of the Dead was just so massive. Right, and then, been around the side also. You know, what, yeah, and then I don't know if that would have been really helped because, again, that side thing is just, it, part of that is to, to inspire fear and to break their formation. But they, again, don't have a formation and you can't really inspire fear. So it still would have been, you know, there's still some argument for it, but it's certainly not a slam dunk. Oh, that would have definitely been better. You know, that's, 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 uh, that's speculation. We don't know that. Um, and, and we've been talking for a long time without addressing any kind of emotion. Of yeah. Like the characters and the stuff. And, and, and I think a lot of people, including us, do want to talk about these details of battle strategy. But it's something that helps remind me that, me particularly, that I don't care as much about the battle strategy. I want to know, what does this mean? What does this mean to the characters? What does this symbolize? You know, I want to mm. see some performances and some character development from this battle. So... I'll just deal with whatever battle strategy they had and go from there, you know. Um, so, okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about the Unsullied. They're the next major unit. Um, they were awesome. <laughs> I loved seeing their formations, the way they moved, the way just so it was the opposite of the Dothraki. Very methodical, very organized, very rigid. And it reminds me of like what we hear about how Roman legions work, where they would rotate guys to the front, where they would have like guys blowing whistles when it's time to like take one guy steps back another guy steps to the front it's it was it's really cool uh and looked good visually too i mean it was it was great i like that what did you think about the unsullied similar uh, yeah uh a a complaint i often have about the unsullied in many military units is it that discipline is awesome and is really effective in combat and it takes a lot of training to get there but i feel like they're just like that all the time. Every time they're ever on, no one's ever taken a smoke break. <laughs> Everyone just stands at attention 12 hours a day. Like if they're on a boat, doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but it's paying off here. So, so okay. So let's see. Next up. Um, yeah. So the Unsullied, I guess there's lots to say about them. Their strategy wasn't as, de- wasn't as divisive. The only one, one complaint I saw was that they, uh, it was weird that they lined up in front of the barricades instead of behind the barricades, which, uh, that's not really a major criticism. We don't have to discuss that criticism. I disagree with that. I don't really understand why they were bu- in front of them behind, rather than behind them. One thing I could say is that maybe because they didn't have time to make enough barricades, and if you don't have enough barricades, then you, you can't... You, you need more barricades if you're going to push them out farther. You need a lot more. The farther your ring is, the more of them you need. So... Looks like we got a super chat from someone saying that you are need to speak more into your mic. <laughs> We're still adjusting to that new new mic setup, folks. Thank you for the reminder. We appreciate it. It's not a uh, feel free to to yeah, comment Sean, on such things. Sean, you can also maybe just move it a little bit closer. Okay. Um. So let's see. Let's talk about the 
the other armies allied up. There was less to say about them. They were there wasn't like a lot of obvious strategy for them. They kind of just waited for the arrival of the enemy and fought them and tried to hold them off as long as they could. Now, to comment on a common question is why aren't they in the in the castle? Well, it's not big enough. Uh, Winterfell show Winterfell. I mean, some people would probably think about the books. The book Winter book Winterfell's a lot bigger. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday. But show Winterfell's not big enough for all those armies, and the Dothraki definitely couldn't have fit in there. So. I don't know. Uh, they didn't really have another thing where they just didn't have a great option. You can easily criticize that choice, but if you look at the alternative, it actually seems worse. Uh, and they had a plan to all move inside uh, after, you know, if it was necessary. Um, and they expected that it probably would be necessary. And yes, it certainly was. Um, so uh, a couple other things. Let's talk about what, we, what will be next. The next step uh, in the battle, I suppose, we had after the the, the fall of the Dothraki it's not long before the army arrives, and Danny has already taken off by then. And we see Danny and John kind of approach the position of where the uh, the the enemy is. We get a bit of a surprise because we saw at the end of last episode the White Walkers were arrayed out in front, and it's possible they were a big part of taking out the Dothraki, but they were not part of the initial chart. In fact, they were not part of anything really. <laughs> <laughs> they did nothing. Uh, so. I mean, nothing we saw. Again, it's possible they did something, but it's it, that was not satis- so satisfying. Um, so, what comments on Danny and John Dragon stuff? Uh, it was was it confusing? Was it? Or, well, we'll talk about that later. What what did you like about the Danny and John Dragon stuff? I I will say that I think it was confusing, but I think that's okay. It was confusing, you know. Yeah. Like uh, I think oftentimes in this episode, they're putting us in the shoes of the people going through it. They were confused. It was dark. It was weird. It's not like John is not experienced riding dragons at all, period, right? Danny, let's say that she is. However experienced she is, she's never gone up against some other flying foe. She's never flown through a snowstorm. She's probably not done much night flying. And you can go on and on with all the reasons why she's not doing everything perfect. Oh, go figure. You know, like, um, and even someone who was an expert at all this still probably isn't going to do everything perfect. And, uh, yeah. so <clears throat> I thought that, you know, t- you know, negatives aside, it was impressive. It was, uh, um, may- maybe annoying or confusing to feel uncertain about what's going on yourself, but I want to give them credit for trying to do that. I think it's a legitimate thing for a filmmaker to try to put you in the shoes of the characters that you're watching. and um, That gives you more emotion about the battle, yeah. I think, yeah. And and it was pretty awesome. It was pretty visually impressive. It was exciting. It was... Uh, Those dragons by the moonlight were, oh my god. Yeah. I, I heard someone say that right after we watched it, like, so, who's making that their desktop? I'm like, oh, good <laughs> yeah. idea, yeah. <laughs> so It was uh, inspiring. It's it, like this imagery that would have been like, my D D book when I was a kid. It's now <laughs> yes. like an action scene on screen. It's just super awesome, you know. Yeah, the diving back through the clouds was fantastic. The the way the dragons actually fought was really cool too. I was really wondering how they're gonna do that. Well, they're just like snapping. And like, you, can, you can really see the dinosaur slash bird like reptile reptilian characteristics they have, and the way they were biting at each other, and the desperation of of trying to hang on, which. You know, probably shouldn't have been that easy, but that's it's consistent at least, <laughs> except for the Night King who fell. But he was probably less worried about falling because you know it didn't hurt him. Yeah, <laughs> Danny or John would die if they fell from that height, but he's like, ah, I can handle it. And, and he it- really kind of did need to do what he did is basically just distract them. He just needed to distract them, right? Like, yeah. think about the idea of like <sighs> that moment when he was chasing Danny. Um, 
these dragons are probably, what do you think? They're probably going 100 miles an hour? I don't know, but right? fast. <laughs> so, like, if they went for, like, one minute at 100 miles an hour, that's, how far away are they after that, right? Yeah. Even if the Night King just ignores them and goes back and there's no kind of fighting or swamp, they're just in, they, they were just going as fast as they could in some direction they didn't exactly know. Mm. And it's storm clouds all around. So then when they turn around and go back, if they're just off, one degree and what they thought was the way back, they might be a mile away from, you know, and they'll get back over the eventually. Obviously they did, but it, again, it just makes sense to me what a distraction the night King was to them. Yeah. And, uh, and it, you know, it's, I would have been upset if they did better. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Um, that makes it, it does make sense. Yeah. And it also, he presumably knew that dragon fire would not kill him. He presumably wasn't just like, I'm pretty sure I can survive this. I'm going to stand right here and take it and just hope yeah. it works out. So, that was part, probably part of his, uh, con, you know, his thinking in general. Um, let's one other thing about the Unsullied and Mel Saunders. We've talked about them. That the moment where the you you mentioned the ice and haze and how hard hard it was to tell what was going on. Davos realizes pretty quickly that they can't see the torch signal, and so they again the Unsullied just do their awesomeness. Grey Worm, you kind of get you kind of see Grey Worm like the the gears turning in his head. He's like looking at the ditch, looking at Mel Looking at the ditch, looking at Melisandre, <laughs> like you can see it forming in his head. He's like, aha, well, let's do this. And the little mini cage, that was very awesome. The tension was legitimate. The reflection of the fire in her eyes, the, the tension in her voice, the pan- rising panic as she's just, come on, spell. Come on, <laughs> R'hllor, do this. Fire, it's what you love. You love fire. Give us fire, man. Come on. That, uh, was, that was legit. I believed that it might not happen. I Me too. Uh, part yeah. of me almost wanted it to. Um, you know, I, I couldn't decide. I couldn't decide what I yeah. wanted to happen there. And then before you have time, it's done. Oh, you know? <laughs> I, also, part of my thought was that she would die, that she would just be burst into flames yeah. in this moment. I kind of expected that. We, I think everyone's kind of expecting her to die yeah. in a minute. So. More on her, too. I mean, I think uh, if we jump all the way to her ending, um, the theory that I've heard people talking about that I like is that yeah it took a lot of the kind of the way that she drained life from Stannis to to do the shadow babies and things like that that this kind of power that we have not seen her use before I don't think it's like oh how did she learn to do that she can't do that I think it's she's always been able to do it maybe or had the capacity but it would kill her to do it and it did kill her to do it I wonder how many dead princes are back in Essos <laughs> a few sacrifices. A couple yeah. people have tried that thing and blew themselves up by accident. Like I'm going to do the. Oops! I exploded. <laughs> okay, let's take our first set of questions here, and then continue with the analysis of the rest of the uh, beatle. From Maura Lee, R.I.P. Lady Liana Mormont. Awesome and badass to the end. Love your channel and all the great content. Thank you, Maura. Yes, that was badass to the end. If you're a book reader, you might recognize that moment as being borrowed from Donald Noy. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday, but I wanted to throw that out there in case you missed it because it's a pretty cool little uh, nod to the books in that moment. And yeah, Liana is uh, not the first main character to die. That would be Dolorous Ed, although there was some worry that Ghost had already died. Um, and uh, it was pretty epic. What did you uh, What did you think of the first set of deaths there? We lost Ed and we lost Liana, and I don't remember the exact ordering, but uh, I think the I think those were the first two and then i forget who was third but what did you, what, how did you feel about those was those were those expected Pretty sure barrack was third barrack was third Pretty okay sure but uh, that makes sense um the uh, yeah and, uh, i i, I don't want to be too negative here but i've never felt a particular connection to ed okay uh, and 
but I was getting to the point where I started to think his plot armor was thick because he's the last name character from the wall. Um, and so maybe a, a little surprised by him dying there and uh, a little shaky in the presentation. I, I'm, I'm kind of back and forth because my, my specific thought in that moment was, I was, Sam, you got to like <laughs> get over there and kiss him like John did a Gret. Like, it's the only way to be safe in the middle of this battle all around you, you know, like, um, but, uh, it, given the chaos and, and and I don't know, I can't think of the word I want to use to describe the way the the the, the whites are just like Aah! just like <laughs> crazily randomly just attacking, right? It seemed like that was like a stab through, and then the body falls, and then Sam has a minute and he looks, and it seemed like there should be like, this wild <laughs> crazy white behind not this like moment of what's going on. Who am I going to get next? You yeah, know? but um. But I also appreciated it. It was a, it was disappointing, but it also made sense. Sam was like, "I'm out." Yeah, <laughs> just, just ran. He just that's like, just too much yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah, he's just done. Yeah. So yeah, definitely shout out to her. Great character. A good end for a great character. Uh, too bad for the Mormons that they lost two people as like seven, basically seven like major characters that we liked. It's, I mean, you can like the Night King if you want and call him number eight, but basically seven characters that were you know, good guys, or at least on the side of the living. And like two of them are more months. I like second White Walker from the left. He was, uh, <laughs> he was really good, dude. No he was really underrated. He's the main character of this album. <laughs> he was good to the kids. <laughs> He's the one who takes care of the little White Walker babies. <laughs> um, so, yeah, moving on. Dornish Dan asks, I knew telling people the crypts were safe was like telling 1950s kids they'd be safe from nuclear fireballs hiding under the wooden desks. <laughs> yeah, that was... That prediction, uh, I saw, we didn't come in very strong with our predictions on the crypts. We, we thought, yeah, something could happen there, but maybe the dead would rise. We didn't, we didn't really push strong opinions either way on that. It seemed like something would have to happen, though, because they were setting it up. I was getting more sure when it seemed like the Night King was going to the Werewood Tree. And Which like, would put okay, him in proximity. Yeah, I remember yeah. you saying that, yeah. But we, we definitely, we figured something would happen. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a lot. It was terrifying. It was scary. But the end result wasn't, wasn't, you know, we didn't lose a named character in the crypt. So I wouldn't say that it had a huge, it definitely, it was scary at the time. But after the fact, it's like, eh, okay, that happened. But it wasn't, uh, it's not a big deal. Um, Priscilla N, super chat with no question. Thank you. Uh, R, super chat with no question. Thank you. Kissed by fireworms. The mythology is probably not wrapped up with the episode, but even if it was, it would feel consistent with George R. R. Martin if human greed and will to power was still the ultimate threat to humanity. Ashea is the best. Definitely agree with that last f- sentence and the rest as well, but definitely the Ashea is the best part. Um, I could go on a whole talk about this. I don't. Know, I don't know if we want to jump on this now or if we want maybe to- not yet because that seems like a more a more of a thing for the predictions episode because we're talking I, about where things are going. I think it's more of a thing for the predictions episode, and it's more of a thing that I'm not going to shut up about on Wednesday as well. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I will say one thing about the mythology that's simple, which is that I know some people have complained about how it was resolved because of the Azor Heist and Princess that would promise stuff, whereas that neither Danny or John killed Night King, and that Ari was the one to do it. Frankly, I don't agree with that criticism. I think it misses the point because Danny and John were more instrumental than anyone to making this last stand in the first place that made Arya's stab possible. It was a team effort. 
And even though Arya did, dealt the death blow, and she deserves huge amounts of credit, I see people calling her the GOAT, greatest of all time, don't disagree even a little. But if we're giving her all the praise, that's where I do disagree, because John did a lot, Danny did a lot, and it wasn't just this episode, it was the things before it. It was Danny bringing the Dothraki, bringing the Unsullied, all that mattered hugely. Arya would not have gotten a chance to kill the Night King if there wasn't Dothraki, Unsullied, and dragons, and John being the first guy to say, hey, everybody, this is the most important thing, this is the only thing that matters, blah, blah, blah. John's unwavering dedication to what mattered most is really important. Uh, a thought that was like building in me, I, I mentioned like right before we were sent down here when I yeah. pouring my Dr. Pepper in my drink, like clicking on my mind. And when to be fair, a lot of this is credit to Shea for getting my mind to work in this direction. But imagine World War II if someone like <clears throat> had assassinated, maybe someone did whatever, how Hitler died, it's hard to exactly know. But let's just say someone had like assassinated, killed him. Just, some soldier shot him, killed him. Like, yeah. That soldier won World War II. Yeah, yeah, that's that would be silly. Yeah, yeah. Even if he was like an amazing shot that was like, yeah. holy crap, how did he make that he was kill? The best, even if he was the best <laughs> trained sniper in the army and yeah. they decided he's the one to do it and put him in position and kill 40 people on the way, he's still not the one who won World War II. Yeah. You cannot mm-hmm. say that one person did it. You know yeah, that's, you're totally right. That's a good way to put it. Um, So I think that's important. That, that This whole thing was humanity versus the living. It's not going to be one champion. Uh, Well, it was one champion for the dead, but <laughs> that's a whole other business. And um, uh, it's it's kind of connected to another thought that I had. Okay. It, especially going back to other thoughts that I've had. Obviously, lots of intermixing thoughts here, but I don't, I don't want to get too much negative, but I was a little disappointed in many other people with the idea that that's it, the Night King, now what? Like, Cersei's better than the Night King? But when World War II was over, we were like, there, now humanity's fine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is it anticlimactic for World War II to, to be one and that that's the end of everything? Mm-mm. And especially if you consider the Night King might represent something like you know, evilness in general, or maybe climate change or something like that. Yeah. That, and when we defeat that, let's say that we all come together and (laughs) (laughs) defeat climate change, we still have other things to deal with, right? There's still going to be like shitty politicians and on and on and on. There's still going to be Cersei's in the world, you know? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Super chat from Zombie Caviar. That's a good question. Never seen John command Rhaegal to fire or even ask about it. Yeah. They skipped all over a lot of that stuff. It's just, I don't mind that too much because you know it it would it would be tedious to go through that again it's something they could solve with a few lines of dialogue and, uh, and it's annoying that they don't bother with those few lines of dialogue but it's a small thing but it's but it's it's worth pointing out from Stephanie, been looking forward to this live stream. Thanks as always for doing these. Please share your ghost and dragons thoughts from this episode. Well, we did talk about dragons quite a bit already. We'll have some more to say about that as well. Um, let's, well, actually, let's do that now. I thought, uh, John's little fight with Viserion in the courtyard there where, he's tr- where Viserion's just either unintentionally or intentionally trying to stop John from getting the gods. We can't tell if that was an accident or just uh, a plan. I'm not really sure. It doesn't really matter. Uh, just, I just thought it was cool. I like seeing the blue fire, uh, you know, and it's book, it's book canon uh, that the dragons have colored fire. So that's actually book accurate. And his, his fear and his rage and just trying to get through and just the effects of the dragon's pierced neck, the blue spouting out of the side, just really cool. You know? I agree. I totally agree. I wish we had gotten more ghosts. I mean, he was in there, but all we got was his charge, and then we don't see him kill anything. Or <laughs> I, I saw some people complain that John wasn't even doing anything. Like he's <laughs> literally charging into a dragon. Like, and sometimes he tried to charge Night King. Okay, sometimes he's <laughs> smart enough to get behind a wall when the dragon breathes fire, and then gets out from behind a wall and tries to run closer. Like, yeah, he was pinned down. I, I, to me, I, he was trying to get to the Night's Wood. 
the godswood yeah. the godswood he's trying to get to bran he feels like that's the problem that's the issue we've got to protect bran and he's just pinned down there just happens to be a dragon and he's not like running away or cowering like sandor like i wanted to love sandor but he was just like literally cowering away from all this like just gave yeah up, you know john's literally charging into it so okay um Question from Brian Evander. How do you think things went down with Mel and the Hound holding off the Whites after Arya left? Was that Mel using the last of her power, or was she just there to witness as Clegane took them out? Uh, well, that's a great question, too, because it leads us to some other things I wanted to talk about. We'll, we'll focus on this for the moment and then move on to these other related topics. I think, um, yeah, I think the Hound probably held them off. Uh, there was a, it was a doorway, so he wouldn't have to fight like a whole bunch at once. He could just maybe kind of, you know, narrow one-on-one fight and keep them back. Because... And, and frankly, everyone was in that spot. When Arya killed Night King, if you were really on top of your on top of your game and really thinking about what was happening, you could realize that Arya was going to kill Night King. Not Arya necessarily, but someone was going to kill Night King. Because at a certain point, everyone was in mortal straits, and there was no way for everyone to be rescued except that. That's the only way that I could think of, even after the fact, that they could have all been saved, is that someone stopped them all at once, which the only way to do that is to kill Night King. I think there was a point, and that point was that moment when Arya took off running. Like, yes. I feel like at the end of it, when I started reflecting through it... It was kind of obvious in retrospect, wasn't it? And watched the second time. <laughs> and blue eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, especially because the specific thing that I was going through, because it was hard to keep what was going on. Yes. There was so much going on. A lot of it was dark. A lot of it was confusing. Multiple times, it seemed like they cut away from a character that was being overran. I'm like... Oh my god, I guess Brian's dead. Yeah, and then they cut back and like, oh, she's still going. Okay. And then I started to scroll through in my mind trying to count for who's dead and who's not. But every time I started to go through that scroll, like someone else would die or a news sequence would happen. I it's hard to, to keep up with everything happening in the episode and scroll through all the characters in your mind, right? Yeah. But if I had been able to, I would have realized they they showed us, they went through all the characters except Arya. Mm. They showed us Bran, they showed us Jamie, they showed yeah. us John, they showed right. us Danny. They went through all of them except Arya. Every single person was yeah. in mortal danger except Arya who had like a free reign. Who, we, no, well, we just hadn't seen her since that moment okay. she ran off. They well, went we back saw to all the off. other characters yeah. multiple times since that moment. Okay. Okay. But just yeah. they never went back to her. She's like the one it wasn't accounted for yeah. as being getting overrun. Yeah, so. so it made sense. Yeah, and it was foreshadowed quite well. We talked about Millions the foreshadowing for it. setups beforehand. It's yeah. definitely the thing we most nailed was that Arya would kill Night King and then by most nailed i mean we've been saying it for it's the thing that we predicted first out of all the things that we got right was we've been saying this since basically since brand gave her the dagger if not before yeah i want to be careful not to take too much credit for your we statement because i i was leaning toward nike doesn't actually get killed that's okay I, yeah you're right yeah. you were <laughs> while we're on that topic we could talk about a few other things we predicted and then i want to get to the things the other things that brian of Andrew's question raised also, um oh, yeah. also i want to say shout out to brian e who is an incredibly talented person and who we saw at Ice and Firecon. Right on. Shout out to you, Brian. Thanks, buddy. Mm-hmm. Thanks. For, uh, glad to see you. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, so. Um, other predictions. Other predictions. Yeah, we we made some theories. Certainly, I liked the two-front theory as an idea. I more liked it as a book idea. We, we talked about that on Wednesday a bit. But our original prediction is was, this, was to keep it simple. We did say that, well... I don't remember how much you agreed with this. I thought you you, you kind of liked the idea, if I recall. You can you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I was I, I definitely put out the idea that I think they're headed towards Night King dying before Cersei, and I think they're not going to be as many people that we think are going to die are going to die. And uh, obviously, the way we we do we talk about this stuff so much, we threw out other theories as well. But that was the simplest prediction, the one we we made first, and that turned out to be as usual, keeping it simple. 
is usually the right way to go with predictions if you want to be accurate. If you want to have fun and just, you know, have use your imagination, we do that too. We love it and it's fun and there's nothing wrong with it. But, you know, it's just a different school's thought. Definitely. When it comes to predictions, it's one thing is a lot of times I'll have my, my, my first instinct prediction, like, ooh. And sometimes it'll be the more basic, simple thing. Sometimes yeah. it'll be the more, like, ooh, wouldn't that be neat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, you know? Um, and in either scenario, sometimes as I stew on it over a few hours or days, you know, I'll start to realize, no, that doesn't make sense. Right? I start to think, I start to believe it more and more. I start to come up with more reason, more and more reasons for it. And I, a lot of times I feel like the more I start to believe it and more reasons I come up for it and the better argument I can make, it never happens. <laughs> 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 uh, and I, I did, I was more and more convinced, like, I, I was sort of right. I, I felt like they were going to lose at Winterfell, that they weren't going to be able to hold their army. They were going to have to retreat and fall back. And I was, I feel like up to the last 15 seconds, I was like, yep, I knew it. You know, like, oh, okay, already got it. <laughs> but I <laughs> yeah. thought they were going to have to withdraw to King's Landing and that Cersei would be part of a last stand. Yeah. And, and still n- that I think would mean that the Night King died before Cersei. Yes. You know? But I thought it'd be a very different scenario, so I don't really want to take credit for that prediction. Okay. But. Well, behind in the behind the episode, there was one cool reveal that we missed, but one other one that we caught that uh, I don't even think they mentioned it behind the episode. But we definitely pointed out when it happened. When John and Arya are reunited, John says, "How did you sneak up on me like that?" It's the he's standing in the exact same spot Night King is standing when he kills it when she kills him, and he had his back. John had his back to her just like she did, and. That was very cool because <laughs> it was like, oh, there's more evidence for our, the theory that Arya kills him. And then, indeed, we get that. Um, so that was fun. Let's talk about uh, a really fun thing that Mel said. This is, this is one of the most fun things for me that's outside of the battle itself, which is parsing her. Everyone is here for a reason. And the things they did, well, Bran says the same thing, frankly. They both say this. Like, everything you did led to this moment. And you think about how that applies to some of these individual characters. Like when Beric dies, she says the Lord brought him back for a reason. And think back on Beric's life. Cause a lot of us, especially book readers were like, what the hell is Beric's point? What is his deal? And well, if you think back, what did he do? He's the one that told John kill night King and they all die. Not that they couldn't maybe have learned that some other way, but he was very adamant on that. And secondly, he saved Arya's life during the battle. She was overrun by whites on the ground screaming and he threw his flaming sword to, to break up the top white and allow them ch- Sandor a chance to run over there and save her. And then he died right after. So that yeah. was, you could say that was his purpose. Like, I guess. And then Theon. Theon, I mean, damn, poor Theon. If Arya gets there two minutes earlier, <laughs> Theon can live. But, oh well, uh, it didn't happen. But maybe that's Theon's purpose just to buy three minutes more for Arya. I mean, it, it's kind of meta if that's really what it comes down to. If I don't know that their predictions can be that fine-tuned that he can see down to this three-minute phase. Like, oh, I really, I'm going to need three more minutes. <laughs> I can see, I'm looking ahead to the final battle and, uh, yeah, let me just tweak this so I get... So they could have just yeah, like, give me some pulled thoughts. Bran's chair to the other side of the godswood <laughs> and they saved Theon's life. <laughs> Night King would have had to take a few more steps, stroll, swagger over as he did. <laughs> yeah, like, let me let me light up a smoke first. Hold yeah, on, that's one on. thing Bran was like. Well, we we have more time than you might think because he's going to swagger. He's going to walk <laughs> slow. He's going to waltz over to me and then his hand's going to move towards his sword really slowly, <laughs> and then. Arya. And Bran gave Arya the dagger too. It was so nice. It was, and of course, Bran was the original target of that dagger as far as the show goes. My, so that's so cool. My, my Twitter quip was 
The Night King shouldn't have silent monologued. <laughs> Arya equals uh, Lucius Best <laughs> from The Incredibles. If anyone has seen Incredibles, you know what I'm talking about. The other, the other really neat closed circle there. This is the thing I we got from the behind the episode that I didn't catch on my own is that Arya stabs Night King in basically the same spot where the dragon glass was wedged into him in the first place to make him Night King. Also, the same place that Sandor told her. That's where the heart is. Oh, yeah. Good catch. <laughs> I forgot about that. Nice. It, it actually kind of looked to me like it was a little below the heart, like down in the belly, but it doesn't matter. It was close enough. <laughs> it worked. It killed him. Okay. So, uh, and some other characters we can think about that way. I, I, like we said, we haven't, I'm, I'm, I plan on thinking about more of these characters and thinking about their arc and how the, everything led to this and seeing, you know, how that looks. And some characters, I think it's going to look pretty cool. A couple of them, it probably won't make as much sense on, but no, I think a lot of them it will. I think, I think more more than most of them, I think it'll probably work out for. All right. Um, let's talk about, let's see, what's next? Um, let's just take a few more questions real quick and then get back to the battle. Uh, Zach Fish asks, what was Bran doing when he was warging, uh, when he was warging, when Theon was fighting the Whites? Was he uploading his memories to Google Drive or what? <laughs> well, if he could do that, I would <laughs> hope he would have started doing that well before the battle started. <laughs> but I like the idea, Google Drive. We need a good pun for that. What's a Google? What's the equivalent? Where would Google Drive? I'll have to work on that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm not too surprised by this. I think some people were, were worried, were complaining that Bran didn't do anything. But what did you expect him to do? I ask, that's the question I ask. The things he's done in the past are take over Hodor, take over his wolf. Those are the only, like, battle-type things he's done. He's an information source. He's human memory. He's never really been that active in battles. You know? Like, yeah. only a little bit. So I don't know that we should have expected him to do much. He jumped... I mean, it sounded like he was going to do something. He says, I'm going to go now. And you're like, whoa, what's happening? What's he going to do? And then he just flies around in the Ravens, which gives us a like, really cool visual, but... You know, maybe there were some expectations there, but... A thought I have here, I, I asked the same question, but it's... And I don't want to impose this. Who who made that comment? I don't... It's uh, uh, Zach Fish. Zach Fish, I don't necessarily... I realized when I asked this question, it might have come across the same way. Not sure how Zach meant it, but you could ask this question like, what was Bran doing when all this is happening? But what I mean to ask is, what was Bran doing when all this is happening? Like, mm. unsuspicious, because we saw him kind of his eyes go gray. We see the ravens. We see the Night King. And then the battle goes on for another 30 minutes. I wonder if Bran was seeing any other visions anywhere else. So, you know, like, yeah. which is easy to be a line of dialogue at the beginning of the next episode, you know. Yeah, it could so, be the same thing that you with you that, that you were saying earlier about Melisandre that as the events get closer, his perception of them becomes clearer. You yeah, know, that could be. It could so be a thing. He may have known he didn't need to move his chair to the other side of the God's Wood or he knew that Theon was about to die or he knows it reinforcements have shown up at King's Landing and he'll tell everyone that, you know what I mean? It could be a million things. So. Definitely. Uh, Josh Sandland asks, uh, says, love the work. Do you guys like the decision for Jorah to be the one to lead the initial charge against the dead? Well, I think it makes sense because the, the, uh, we have the same, uh, because the, the cavalry charge, as we explained, makes sense in some ways to be the start of the battle. But Jorah is the only one who speaks their language. I think it's just that simple that he's the only commander that speaks common. So he kind of has to lead them because they can't understand the commands coming from anyone else. Except Danny, who is not there to give commands. So I think that is uh, a fair... Uh, it's kind of... I don't know how else they could have done it, in other words. Do, do you feel differently? I No. Yeah. I yeah. like it. <clears throat> cool. Uh, apparently we're at 1500 plus viewers and we may need to have another Sean dance and I'm totally down with that. Yeah. So he says, will Sean dance the same as last week? 
I will dance similar to last week, <laughs> but not the exact same. <laughs> cool. Okay, yeah, we'll do that at the end. We'll do that at the end. So I, six, I, I might have song, to up please. the number to 2,000, because yeah. if we're going to just get 1,000 <laughs> easy every week, it's, then, then we have to have an intermission every week. Yeah. We <laughs> Which might be nice to stand up, stretch dance back out a Yeah, bit. everybody wants to stretch out a little bit. So <laughs> that'll be a good way to break up the, after we criticize the episode at the end here, we'll have some dancing to bring back the positivity. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I got to uh, think of another song now. Yeah, you got to think of a song. Meanwhile, next question. Was there a missed, from Mr. Mitchell954. Was there a missed opportunity, though, to get White Walker 1v1 fights with characters who had Valerian Steel? 100%. Yes, there was. And it was very surprising because it seems so obvious. Like they just had to intentionally decide not to do it. And I imagine it was budget or time or. Yeah. But I really expected Brienne or Jamie to fight a White Walker with a Valerian Steel. And I guess just because we've already seen it with John, maybe that was their <laughs> reasoning, but still. I would have seen that. Would have happily seen that again. This oh, well. is this is my best justification for that. In general, it makes sense, and we have mostly seen the White Walkers stay back because if one of them gets taken out, who knows how many thousands of whites die, right? So it seems yeah. makes sense they're going to stay in the back. And when we saw them all lined up, kind of around Winterfell, my guess is they stayed way back there, and all the whites charged forward. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And finally, we see some come forward when Winterfell's being overrun, and that king's yeah. right to Bran. Then, okay, now the White Walkers come forward. It also adds to another thought that I had: is it could be that that's what extinguished the flames of the Dothraki soldiers? They charged out into the darkness yes. and didn't come up against whites. They came up against White Walkers. And the Night King wasn't there yet, so it had to be them. If anyone brought that darkness, it wouldn't be just the whites. You're right. That's a, yeah, that's a great their, point. Their their coldness extinguished flames. We've seen it in the past. Their presence just extinguished flames, and it it and it could be also the Dothraki might have. Killed thousands. They might have actually, because imagine in that moment, as they get closer, the White Walkers' coldness just extinguishes the flames of the Dothraki fighters. But they do still keep fighting and might have hacked down three or four White Walkers, 30, 40 White Walkers. I don't know how many more. <laughs> and each time they did, 10,000 Whites might have died. Like, it would have been neat to see that and know to give them more credit and not have people wondering how suicidal or silly that was. <laughs> you know, it would have been, I feel like it's a miss for them to not show us the impact yeah. they had. They could have had their cake and eat it But it might have too. also cost yeah. them literally a million dollars to do that. Yes. You know what yes. I mean? So yes. I can see mm-hmm. maybe they didn't do that. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're <laughs> saying. Like, the way they did it, they wanted to do it a certain way, but they could have also done the thing you're saying and still had the like the charge and the lights go out. They could have done both. Yeah. But you're right. They could have might have just cost too much. And they, you know, when you gotta you, they have a big budget, but they have so many things they want to do, things just keep getting cut like ghost every time. <laughs> so also, I don't know if this is a fair way to look at it, but in the books, we read the we read the stories from one character's pers- perspective at a time. Yes. And in a show, too, really. Does that make sense? Yeah. We don't always know everything about everything going on. So what character would possibly... Well, I take that back. George's character would have had the perspective of what happened. <laughs> like that, so like, uh. But that wouldn't that have been awesome to, to follow Jorah and his charge? Just the sound of the Dothraki screamers behind him. And as there are lights, you know, are lighting the way in front of them, we suddenly see this wall of White Walkers illuminated in front of... What, and 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 it, and it cuts to what everyone in Winterfell is seeing. The lights just extinguishing. Like that would have been so powerful. It would have been so awesome. HBO definitely should have hired me to be a, <laughs> <laughs> a writer and a director. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Josh Sandlin asked, "Does this mean Relore is real?" I don't think so, but it definitely is, you know, it, Mel Sander certainly died believing that, and she never wavered much on that belief. I think the fact is that there. 
we can't assume that because there is magic that there's gods behind it. There could be magical energies in this world. That doesn't mean gods are, are the source of it. But I'm also okay with calling magical energy gods. You know what I mean? Like, some people consider God as just a euphemism for the universe, just for all existence. Some people picture God as a, as a being, a specific deity, like with, with eyes and a face, or maybe not eyes and a face, but characteristics that are not, uh, that are of, of, you know, corporeal, you know, like there's, there's physical traits you can point to. Uh, God so, might be a jellyfish, no eyes. Yeah, or a spaghetti monster. Yeah, so <laughs> it's. I don't think that's enough evidence, but it's it's the the fact that magic exists is reason for people to believe in gods even more so because it's like where does this come from? They would not just you know it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> if somehow in in our real world someone demonstrated something, I'll we'll say supernatural to me. Right. Yeah. And and let's say it was like a magician on stage with a rabbit in a hat, and somehow he proved to me that it wasn't a trick. He's like, "Look, uh, however you want to test me," like, and he did. I'm like, "Wow, I would be convinced the magic existed." At that moment, I might start to wonder about God, right? Yeah. And if some yeah. priest showed me some miracle in a religious context, then somehow proved, and I believed it was real, I might start to wonder if magicians really have some trick. You know, and like I would have to question other elements of reality. You know, that is exactly what happens with Book Stannis. He doesn't. He hates the gods because uh, they he they he, they died. His parents died in front of them, you know, in front of mm-hmm. he watched them yeah. drown basically. And he's like, I'm he's I refuse to worship the seven anymore because any gods who would do that don't deserve my worship. So it was almost it wasn't full denial. It was like they don't deserve me. But it was sort of like. But he tells Davos later. He's like, she has real power. That's his bottom line. Is like I don't know about gods. I don't know about that. But she has real power, and maybe that comes from a god. Maybe it doesn't. I don't care. It doesn't matter. That's real power. Yeah, just because yeah. a power is real. Yeah. Just because a god is real doesn't mean they're right or good. That's yeah, worth that noting, too. That right? too, yeah. That's a very good point. From Vanessa Lay, thank you for going live right after getting home. Does the Night King and Bran have the ability to see the future? The Night King was pretty smug. He smiled. I think that they have limited ability to see the future. They certainly don't have perfect ability to see the future because that, I mean, you can't even write a story around that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the two people can see the future. Like, how do you, how do you even counteract each other's moves if you can both see? Then it's not actually the future if you can, uh, yeah, see, yeah. how do one you even do is, that? Right. One thing <laughs> is that, let's just say, in, in any work of fiction or in our real world, if someone thinks they have some prophecy or another, is it a future that might be or a future that is destined no matter what? That like That's a first question to ask. And it's a common theme, especially when there are prophecies or any kind of time travel. It's it's a common, common theme in literature or culture in general, right? Like, is the future set or not? Um, and then even if it is, they might not be good at seeing it or interpreting it very well. Brand seems to have had many, many visions of the past, and uh, it seems like he's had at least some of the present elsewhere. But he's only had one, maybe two, of the future, and that seems true of most other characters with any sort of... Well, no, I take that back, because Melisandre seems to have many futures of... Many futures of the vision. <laughs> Melisandre does. Yes. And Jojen, too, right? But Brand doesn't seem to be on par with those, so he seems to have some different type of ability. Some of it, but certainly doesn't just know it all, you know. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. And so he he almost certainly isn't having visions of the future right there in that moment. Well, maybe Brandon's because he's sitting there trying to focus. Maybe. But Night King, I don't even know about that. But Night King is in battle. I kind of doubt he's... And certainly, he if he could see the future, he probably wouldn't have been killed there. So that's a, that's a good point by Vanessa. She, she kind of gets... 
it's kind of the same. We kind of arrive at the same conclusion. It's kind of hard to imagine him seeing the future if he didn't see his own death. <laughs> but at the same time, visions of the future could be a part of his uh his past in some way he could have seen visions of the future that that just not on command you know i think that's basically what you're saying okay uh let's see here let's talk about a few of the other character deaths yeah um we talked about theon uh briefly but let's about his the, the logistics there but about his his final moments and talking to bran what do you think about that uh what bran kind of uh, absolving him there was that maybe bran it wasn't. You can't say he was predicting the future necessarily that he knew Theana was going to die. That's just common sense. Like, hey, we're all surrounded here. Like, that's a boldest prediction. Is Melisandre predicting Joffrey's going to die? Like, <laughs> oh, really went on a limb on that one. <laughs> so, what did you think of of his final moments and just Theon's? Uh, he's gone now, so it's you know we can look back on his 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 life as a character and maybe talk about that a little bit too. It's I am stirring on it a little extra because I've been reading book two and with Theon how he's dealing with Winterfell and. Uh, What's going on in his mind? And part of me, here, here's a series of thoughts that, I, that, that aren't complete. I don't know how much I stand by them, but just things that flash in my mind is that Theon can't be forgiven. Like, that's one thought. But another thought is, this isn't Theon anymore. Hmm. You know, at least not the same Theon. It's hard to forgive uh, someone killing kids and yeah. let alone the other things he did, but just that alone mm. is, is enough for most people. Or a lot now, of people. also, even if he can't be forgiven, doesn't necessarily mean he deserves the punishment he got, you know? Agree. Uh, so I, I bounce around a lot with what I think about Theon. And <clears throat> in fact, this is another thought I want to bring up. This is like a good time to bring it up. Although be careful, it might be a tangent, but it might bring us into some other characters we're going to talk about anyway. Um, Theon, think about the things that Theon's done, you know, and, and is, is he, should he be forgiven? Bran seems to be like forgiving. His, his redemption arc is done. You know, yeah. Right. What about Melisandre, who burned Shireen? Like, uh, they think about that. What Theon's done, and what about Melisandre? Which Melisandre's done? Is Melisandre redeemed? Does anyone out there feel okay with her now? You know, I mean, it, it, yeah, I, don't know. I do. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Because I, I used to really dislike Melisandre a lot, and people would always tell me that I should cosplay her, and I thought <laughs> I would never, ever, ever, ever cosplay as Melisandre. And now I've I've really turned around on her mm -hmm. because it shows that she she was actually in it and all. Yeah, yeah. To be clear, I do, if you will. I, yeah. I am a Melisandre supporter. I, I guess. Let, I let me throw think. a fork in the road here, just to, just as an example. If you wouldn't have forgiven Melisandre in the initially, or wouldn't have forgiven Theon initially. Let's say that was never your call. It wasn't our call. So because it wasn't our call, the fact that somebody else made the decision to forgive him, that doesn't erase the redemption. The fact that we don't think they should have gotten the chance. Well, they did get the chance, and they did a good job with it. Both Theon and Melisandre got a chance at redemption, and they did as well as they could have done, I think. So let, let me tell you, when I, when I started thinking about this, I was like, who hasn't killed a kid? John. Sandor. Aria. They've all killed kids. There, you, there's so many characters yes. have killed kids, and, yes. it's, and every time it's this pretty awful thing. Some of them are maybe more understandable or justifiable than others, but uh, like Jamie, do people just not accept Jamie? There's Jamie, a, a million characters like that. Yeah, Jamie tried to kill a kid, and um, yeah, and then true. he killed some more. Like yeah, he tried to kill Brian. Yeah, he I mean, did. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Yeah, so it's 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 a tough. It's a moral conundrum. The, this is one of the fun things about the show is it gives us these interesting moral conundrums. The books do it too, obviously, where there aren't there isn't a clear answer in part because 
their existence in their world and their culture is so different. It would just, we can't use modern values, but we still have modern reactions because that's who we are. And then we have to try to think about it. It's like, well, if, you know, in that setting, it's okay uh, because blah, blah, blah. It's never okay to kill kids, but it's, uh, yeah, if you give him a chance of redemption, he does a good job with it, like Jamie did as well, then, yeah, what do you do? It's, 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 it's not black and white. It never is. And that's a great central theme of Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, these gray areas. I'll talk about what happened in the crypts a little bit. Um, there wasn't, I guess there wasn't a lot, but there was some interesting dialogue. Tyrion talking about how if he was out there, he could make a difference. And I thought that was an interesting conversation. Um, what did you think about that? Do you think Tyrion could have made a difference? Or do you think Sansa was right? And we'll move on to Sansa's entire, you know, crypt attitude in general afterwards. I'm a little torn. I think that part of me agrees with Tyrion's mentality that he he might just see something other people aren't seeing. He might come at it from a different angle or have some piece of knowledge they don't have. And in fact, that's another thing we were kind of predicting is that they'd be down there looking in books, learning something that was going to turn the tide. That didn't seem to happen. He didn't really seem to get uh, the ability to make any effect. But all that said, if it wasn't the immediate next scene, it was very soon after that scene, they cut above when it's just chaos and violence all around, there's no opportunity for someone to be like scouting out for some secret weapon. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the walls are being overcome. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. Tyrion was not going to make a difference there. He may have earlier. Yes. If he had been out there all along, he may have realized what needed to be done to start the fire or to move the troops to the west side or something like that. Yeah. But Someone with his natural intelligence uh, might, you know, who wasn't <laughs> under l less direct pressure might be able to shout out some useful orders. Like, there's a couple, like, a couple of things. We're starting to move into where we're getting, going to start doing more criticizing. <laughs> uh, and, like, for example, when the firewall went up, the, the dead were standing there for a while before Night King did his very cool like ant bridge where they just lay down on top of the flame, which was really cool and terrifying. <laughs> but before that, there's quite a few minutes while they're just standing there. People stopped shooting at them. Like they just stopped shooting arrows at them, which I'm like, yeah, sure y'all need a break, but Those I don't. Catapults should that. still be launching. They should <laughs> still be yeah, hurling some, doing something. Yeah, so that like that's a good example. Between Tyrion is like, get those archers for like you know someone that just another brain in play, like keeping people on focused or whatever. Uh, so it's tough. It's tough to say though. Sansa might have been right. <laughs> well, let's talk about Sansa. Very, very different attitude from her attitude in the Blackwater. Very interesting. I, I I was surprised. She was cynical. I mean, I think she was wrong. I think she like her attitude was the only the honest thing we can do here is is face the truth of this, which I don't agree with her. That's not the only honest thing they can do. I mean, it is honest, but why is being honest the right thing to do there? Have some hope. Give your people some hope. I, I didn't I didn't agree with Sansa. <laughs> I almost don't want to talk about this section until we get to the complaining. I part think we again. can start complaining. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, we can we can complain about Sansa. Then we'll move on and we'll make sure real yeah. complaints. But this is you're, just you're at an hour and ten minutes. So okay, so it is almost pretty, about time. You're yeah. pretty safe. So here, 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 let me jump in. Okay. Here's what we'll do. We'll start with you. Do this. You can weigh in on Sansa. We'll take the rest of these questions, which some of them are are sort of criticize ish. And that'll transition us to full criticism. <laughs> so, well, we've all been warned. I'm guessing that even though we start off with this positive stuff, every now and then, well, this does bother me. Oh, yeah. When we, we get to the criticism, we'll have some positive you're right. We'll have some counter-arguments. Yeah, there'll be some defense. Like, some of the things that bothered you may not bother me, and I'll, I may argue with you a little, yeah. and, and vice versa. Um, <clears throat> it's in my nature, at least, to come at things from different angles, even if I 
strongly believe this was negative, I see why yeah. there's a positive part. Plus, the show isn't uh, good if we disagree on everything. Right. That's true. <laughs> isn't that's good. true. Um, <laughs> so, this is another moment where I feel like I know exactly how I would have written this. You know, maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I don't get it. But I just feel like the way this scene should have gone is Sansa walks into this room, looks around at everyone, looks at Tyrion and says, the battle's going well. Hmm. And Tyrion can tell that she's lying. He knows that's what she needs to say in this Mm. moment. He understands it and maybe still takes his swig of wine and everyone else is like, oh, kind of relieved. You know, I think she needed to come in there and be a leader and keep their morale up. What good does it do causing panic or despair in here, right? I think that she needed to like come in there and tell tell this lie, keep the strong face on for everyone's benefit. And I think it would have been a good moment of acting for her to do that and for Tyrion to realize that what she's doing. Does that make sense? I feel like it would have been a really beautiful moment. Sean, I think that's really great, especially with, you know, what Sans is all about the idea that she is a leader and she is a bit of a liar. Yeah, and yeah. She, yeah, she is willing to manipulate a situation. She's uh, she's clever. She's <laughs> thinking ahead. Like, yeah. So my closest justification to this frustration I have with what I. I feel like they've built Sansa up to be a great character, and here's a moment to shine, but the only people that get to shine in this episode are people with axes or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's ways to shine without running around on a battlefield with a sword, and it should have been it, and Mm -hmm. it was a disappointment it wasn't. So the closest I've got to justify this in my mind is that she's just overwhelmed. Yeah. Even she can't come up with a way to express what's going on. This is well, I think also it's consistent with what they've done with her recently, which is that she's kind of cynical. Not uh, Cynical isn't wrong, mind you. She was right about Cersei, 100% right about Cersei when basically no one else was, even, and it was, all of us were like, shouldn't trust Cersei. Sansa was totally right. But in this one, it's like John. When John was was unwilling to lie to Cersei about bending the knee, it was like this perfect example of just lie, but but just yeah. this is a perfect example. Just lie. Come on. One lie. So we need this to is say a good time to for Sansa to lie. To yeah. And I see some people saying in general, like, well, she shouldn't go singing the song of the seven again. This is the North. The North doesn't need comfort like that. Maybe not. Maybe they don't need comfort. I'm not saying she needs to go singing songs again. And she didn't go broadcasting this attitude to everybody. She's like, hey, everybody, let's be afraid. You know, it was just her and Tyrion. So, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be too hard on her because she wasn't exactly saying this to everybody. It was just a private conversation. The but still. Side, yeah. Well, well, instead, what we get is just like an awkward look, which wasn't necessarily impressive acting. And then yeah. this cliche, oh, Tyrion chugs and wine. Like, that, <laughs> it was like the most biggest, I think it might have been the biggest miss of the show, especially considering like my idea mm. earlier with like, you had the White Walkers out there and Jothar could charge and you see their flames illuminate them and the sun become extinguished. And yeah. You, we maybe understand what happened in that battle better and it's, it's still a devastating moment, visually good, all this, but it might have been a million dollars. But for this scene to go the way I want? Yeah. What do you Couple need? Couple dialogue. You yeah. already have There's the no actors. Money. You're all, you know, don't need to develop some new character ever for a series. You know, it, it's yeah. no extra budget. It's just, totally you have agree. these great actors. Give them this moment to act and uh Kate Pesh has a super chat that relates to this. She says, first super chat. Hope we get to talk about Sansa and Tyrion. Seems there was some real love there, romance or no, and I really hope that relationship is central to what's left. Love the channel. Many thanks. You're welcome, Kate, and thank you. We'll keep it coming. Um, yeah, it, it did seem like there was a little odd vibe there. That, their marriage conversation was, uh, it was funny. <laughs> it's like, you were the best of them. He's like, that's terrifying. <laughs> Which was just, that, was, that elicited a huge laugh from the uh, live the audience we were watching with. And... 
I mean, she's not wrong, though. He was. <laughs> it's a very low bar to clear, but still. <laughs> he, he's way better than Ramsey. And, uh, I don't think it's ridiculous or preposterous <clears throat> to see some kind of romance there, but that's, it's, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. I don't think that's where they're going. Yeah, so I don't, I don't I hope really think it makes sense. I hope it's I a do, mutual respect thing. Right, they work together. I do think that they could have enough, uh, uh, a strong enough of a relationship, bond, friendship, whatever it is, to maybe flirt with each other like i could see them like flirting bantering maybe flirt's not quite the word i could see them banter with each other and i definitely feel like they have a bond they've been through a lot of the same stuff you know what i mean they've been in like these leadership positions where their powers questioned and they've had to deal with cersei and they uh, they think they do have a lot in common yeah I agree. And, uh, and I liked Masande's line there. It's like, because well, Sansa says, it would never work out between us. And people are expecting like a variety of possible reasons why it might not work out between y'all. But she says, the Dragon Queen, like, oh, that's the reason? Sure. Okay. That's a valid reason. That's one of those things that like, you know, if you've ever like tried to like talk to somebody like at a bar, like you're, you kind of want to flirt with them and they just like, oh, I can't talk right now because I'm doing, you know, I'm having a drink, you know? <laughs> It's like, wait, that's the perfect time to have a talk. So it's like one of those excuses that isn't really an excuse, but it's it's being polite. The real reason is, no, actually, I think you're ugly. I don't want to talk to you, you know, but that's really rude. And so maybe Santa was just like, oh, it wouldn't work out because um, the Dragon Queen. Yeah, that's why. But I didn't actually read it that way. But, I, you know, upon reflection, I was like, that would be funny if that's really what she was saying there. Sansa might not know it, but another good reason is that Tyrion's Two and O with dead <laughs> <laughs> loves. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> he's cursed. Perhaps. Uh, Big E says, "I can see Danny talking to Arya. You saved us from death. Is there anything I can grant you?" And Arya asks for Gendry's legitimization. That's a great theory. I hadn't thought of that. Yes, I think there's a really good chance for that. And we and the way show the show has left things. Storm's End hasn't had a ruler for. I, I don't know, since Stannis. <laughs> but see, what, what the, what's interesting about that is, of course, that's asking for the reinstatement of House Baratheon. Ooh, <laughs> good point. Yeah, maybe he's like, no, not Baratheon. We're going to give you a new name. You can be, you can have Storm's End, but you're going to be House Blacksmith. <laughs> House, <laughs> House Bottom. I don't know. Something like that. Just no more Baratheons. Yeah, that could, I could see her saying that. But uh, I do think that, you know, a, a reward for Gendry is appropriate. Uh, even he fought and he forged and uh, Arya did even more real, real quick does anyone remember specifically the last moment we saw gendry i i can't he's someone i couldn't couldn't account for for sure if he was the alive or dead i think he might be the only one he i don't remember if we saw him after his waiting for someone to come above the wall maybe yeah he was among the people that was just waiting for that first head to pop above the wall and then as soon as one does Smashed he starts one. hammering and i don't remember her, uh, seeing him again after that maybe maybe once or twice we see his face but I it's the same like, thing i feel like all the characters that died in this episode, at yeah. least, they made pretty clear they were yeah. dead. And there's some, like, I don't know about that one, but I feel like all of them, by the end, I was like, okay, they must have made it. Yeah. But I, except for Gendry, he's the only one I wasn't quite sure about. So. I'm almost almost positive he lived, but you're right. Uh, that's And that's a fair complaint. It was confusing. Uh, a lot of times, like, the action made it hard to tell. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I see people in the chat, like, he's alive. I'm like, we, we do know and, and think and all of that that he's alive. What we're highlighting is the fact that it is unclear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It, it, there's ways to have it be clear, but you know, just by watching the episode in in you know with that alone, without freezing, without looking back, it's 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 kind of unclear because there's so many characters to keep track. I've got like twenty, at least twenty named characters flying around. That they episode. all get all dirty and bloody, dark and, and fiery, dark, and yeah. yeah, a lot of them have beards and their helmets. Yeah. You know. <laughs> 
covering her faces. So, okay. So, yes. Now we are moving as, uh, if, for people who aren't aware, we're moving away, uh, gradually away from our praise for the episode into our criticism for the episode. The farther we get into the episode, probably the, the maybe the harsher the criticisms will get, but mostly it'll just be a little up and down. Uh, also, uh, at the end of the episode, apparently Sean's going to dance because we got so many live viewers. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Sean's, uh, jet lag long weekend dance <laughs> might be a little different than you his, have a song uh, ready, Sean. No, no. Let me, let me, let me think. Let me think. definitely think about it. Okay, you have yeah. a while. Next question is from Anthony Gonzalez. Would have been better if Theon distracted the Night King or his other guards was what helped Arya get the jump on him. I kind of agree with that. That might make more sense, but you know, from a show perspective, they really wanted to keep Arya's business a secret till the last second right they did not want to clue people in any more than they did they didn't want the hero running away from the hound and melisandre with purpose to be such a giveaway uh, as we talked about it was hard to catch even though it was in retrospect it's pretty obvious but only in retrospect because things so much so much is happening your emotions are going crazy i don't yeah i don't feel bad for missing that but <laughs> here's one thing I'll i'm say. okay with their decision to do this yeah. what do you think one one thing to keep in mind on some level, and, and I'll 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 pair this with complaints I had about last week. Even though last week was like my kind of episode, right? Yeah. Like big character development as opposed to big action. But even then, I complained a little bit about some of the scenarios don't make sense. Some of this yeah. is a little bit staged. But guess what? This is a TV show, and 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 even let's say, imagine this was a play. Imagine like we were like going out to a theater with live actors on stage watching all this. The greatest play ever of all time. <laughs> Can you imagine if this was like a stage production? Who would dare complain that the actors are like tilted toward the audience instead of facing each other? Right? Two things, Sean. Okay. One, you've been talking an awful lot about plays lately. I think I know what I need to get you as a gift is tickets to a play or something. Maybe. I was so, I was so enjoyed the, the, the musical at that, FireCon. That was my second point. Okay, yeah. They did, you know, Westeros, an American, you know, an American musical, which is obviously a reference of Hamilton. And it was phenomenal. And in a, just phenomenal. a two-hour space, they managed to compress so much material and you know, and bring bit, me to yeah. tears. I'm yeah. telling you, all yeah. of us. The room there, it was it was a leaky room. Let me tell you, they did a fantastic job. Shout out to Brian and everybody. I who was in tears sometimes from how hard I was laughing. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. There were tears of joy and tears of just good acting, sadness, etc. Mm-hmm. It was it was really good. Yeah, big shout out to them. That's one of the things I wanted to mention. Uh, we said we'd briefly talk about a few Ice and Firecon things, a few highlights. We didn't want to talk about it too much because we're, we're preparing to talk about it more, and because uh, we have so much to talk about with regard to this episode. But since it was segued here, let's give it a second. Yeah, the, the musical was amazing. Had so much fun seeing all the other podcasters and listeners and friends that were there. And watching the episode in a big group is just so, so fun. That, that's really uh, indescribable to share the emotions with everybody and then to talk about it afterwards. Um, I'll have, like I said, I'll have more to say later, but just, just now I'll gush a little and then let Sean do the same. <laughs> yeah, there's, there are moments at the con that I feel like are highlight moments, not not just of this year, but like, that's kind of cheesy or bold to say, but like maybe in my life, there's moments of this that are like, I'll remember for my life. And, and some of those moments are like my fourth favorite moment from this con. It's something <laughs> I'm going to remember for life, you know? <laughs> it's really, yeah, I've said it before. I'll say it again. There's really nothing like if you're someone who's introverted or maybe you're just, you have trouble finding people to talk the show about the show with, or you're maybe you're, you just you live in a place where you don't have a lot of opportunity for that. This is where you get the exact opposite. It's just everybody is just at the drop of a hat willing to talk about a variety of different Game of Thrones and Song of Ice Fire topics. They're just, it's, it's your people, you know? That's, that's how I like to put it. 
and they do they put on a lot of fun events there uh it's typical of cons to have like panels which are we have oh man like <laughs> we did a lot of they're things. so experts <laughs> knowledge is so depth sitting on one of those panels you just learn so much yes and, variety um, topics just yeah. yeah but but in addition to that uh which you know that's enough for me but they also have events like like a sword fighting tournament and uh and a musical and so many things happen it's such an exciting event all right, well, let's move on. Um, Anthony Gonzalez question. Brand couldn't even tell uh, that a tell him that a giant was coming, and he did see the giant in that vision at the beginning of season seven. He saw the army of the dead walking. It was a really cool scene of them walking through the ice and snow. We saw that giant. That was the same giant, I'm pretty sure, because uh, he had one eye. People were joking about how it being it was Macumbo, <laughs> Macumber, <laughs> or whatever that giant's name was. Uh, so yeah, he couldn't. So that's I think this this, this super chat may have been in response to Ken Brand see the future. Well, he's that was the present. <laughs> And he didn't tell them. He's like, "Now nah, the army of the dead coming." Yeah, he might have. He might could have mess- mentioned that there were a few giants in the, in the army. That might have been. But for all we know, he did mention it in the strategy session. We missed a lot of what was How actually said. How much would they have done differently if they did know? Yeah, I don't know. One thing they could have done is barricade the door a little better. It was a little silly to me. That's a fair complaint that the door was so easy to knock down. It wasn't barricaded very well, and. uh yeah, uh, there are other things that were wrong with the battle, military-wise. But let's let's finish these questions first and get to that. Uh, so, I, real quick, get, sure. I, I, I forgot what it was, but I had it. I was still had another thought. We went on a tangent. The play. Oh, I just wanted to say the idea of a play. Okay. If you just turn the camera on and film the play, it doesn't make the play less good, right? Right. So some things that happen in a show that I might want to complain about. Sometimes when it's more dramatic, I feel like it's kind of staged. Sometimes when it's actiony, maybe it doesn't make total sense, right? But it's. Freaking cool, man! Arya jumped. She came down, bro. Like, yeah, it was so uh, cool. What did she jump off of? She I did the care. move. She did yeah. the, the dagger drop thing that she did with Brienne. It was so cool. We're gonna get these cinematic, actiony moments. That people are gonna love. Yeah. Even if there's some little detail about how they set that up that doesn't quite work, it's okay. Even just like there might be some little detail about how they set up some conversation between characters might not make sense. But what's important is that conversation between the characters. This image on screen. This moment of Arya being the hero. Like it. Uh, uh, as much as I, as many complaints as I have about how some of the details of action played out, in the end, we still get these awesome moments. It's mm. still freaking awesome. We, yeah. once again, <laughs> leap to the air, <laughs> cheering at that moment, you know? So, uh, yeah, and, and like you said, there are some fair criticisms of that moment, but it's not that there are criticisms of maybe, of a plot nature, perhaps, um, or maybe a detail. Like, one detail that I thought was funny, it doesn't really bother me, but it's weird, is that Arya sneaks up behind him, jumps, and he catches her, but... That's cool. But she's screaming. She jumps and she's yelling. Ah! She's just like, you're trying to sneak up on him. Don't do that. <laughs> so I was like, uh, whatever. She anyway. was holding back that whole time. She finally <laughs> let it out. She finally <laughs> let it out. And, and for plot reasons, you know, Night King dying at episode three feels, even though we predicted it, even though we kind of saw it coming in a lot of ways, but it was kind of a cynical prediction because we're like, yeah, that's probably what they're going to do. It wasn't like, I bet that's what they're going to do. We were like, this is probably what they're going to do. And it was what they did. And it's like, that was kind of too easy. Sure, we lost a lot of characters. We lost Melisandre. We lost Theon. We lost Beric. We lost uh, Jorah. We lost Ed. We lost uh, some other people that I forgot. But Lyanna, we lost... But Night King. Night King. We lost Quono, and but we didn't lose we we didn't lose Brienne. We didn't lose Grammar, which I'm not complaining about. We didn't lose them, but it felt like the stakes should have been a little higher. I think maybe you know we didn't see 
any of our favorites raised from the dead and actually fight someone. We saw them raised. We saw Ed wake up. We saw Leona wake up. But no one came to face to face with those whites, which we really thought that would happen. Yeah, we really we... thought that would be a, a, such a great moment. That, I mean, maybe they, well, they did it with Carsey and that was it. That felt like foreshadowing, not like the one time they were going to do that. Oh, well. It, it, we did expect more heart-wrenching moments. It, yeah. it seemed like, I, I don't know if there's some sort of plot reasons yet to be seen or if there's some directive from the board of HBO, like, don't push it too hard. Don't kill yeah. Danny <laughs> or whatever, you know? I yeah, mean. yeah. Uh, from Adrian Mendoza, question to Aziz and Sean, are you guys disappointed in the episode? Well, this is where the portion of the episode we're starting to register our disappointments. I won't speak for Sean. I wasn't disappointed in the episode. I was just dis- disappointed with certain parts of it. And that's usually how I am with Game of Thrones episodes because there's so much going on that... It's usually not one thing doesn't usually or even 10 things can't ruin an episode for me if there's 10 good things also. And there was a lot of good and a lot of bad. And that's just very normal for Game of Thrones. So, no, I th- I've, and even though it was a really epic episode, it was long. It was they spent so much money on it. In a lot of ways, it was a lot like a Game of Thrones episode, which is that it had a lot to like and a lot to not like. I will say I was frustrated with the episode. But also, I kind of expected to be frustrated with the episode. Yeah. You uh, frequently are frustrated with battle yeah. episodes. And I might say that I was disappointed with the episode, but I think I might also, despite expecting to be frustrated, still had high hopes. Yes. Does that make sense? I, uh, it's hard for me to make any one of those statements by themselves because it's not really as meaningful as them in context with each other. Does that, yeah. does that make yes. sense? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I expected to have this big battle episode that's going to have me rolling my eyes left and right. And it kind of did. Right, um, but I also expected this might be the best battle episode of all time, and eh, it wasn't really. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so yeah. it had. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I think maybe part two uh, as well. I think a lot of people who who had big crit, and you're not, and this is, you know, obviously you're not like a big obsessed book reader, but a lot of the complaints about this episode were from book readers, which who just had like their favorite episode of all time. Or we had, or, you know, so it's like, boy, that if, as far as resetting your expectations, having a night of the seven kingdoms be such an amazing episode. That's going to make you even more excited for this episode. Yet it's still that, that forgets that it, these same basic things are always going to happen. There's always going to be things that don't make sense. There's always going to be you know, not enough time to do all the things. It's the nature of battle episodes uh, for a lot of it. Um, next question is from swizzle sticks, the green warlock. Good name, by the way. Sam was there with the Horn of Winter. It's a shame he didn't even use it, even if it were a dud. Yeah, they really abandoned that plot line a while back, didn't they? <laughs> if it ever was a plot line. I guess we can't be 100% sure it ever was. But Sam, they got that horn off the fist of the first man. Sam took it with him. And pff, that we that's, no one heard. No one's heard from it again. I heard from it again. Yeah. This reminds me of something. And I'm guessing that book readers have way more like ideas to feed into this. Because I don't know as much about Euron. I haven't got to him. Um... But here's an idea, again, kind of thinking of maybe the Night King representing something, some bigger ideal. It's been symbolic, and especially when I started thinking about World War II. If the Night King maybe represents the dragons, maybe represent the nuclear option, right? The, yeah. the Night King, if the, let's say the Night King is Hitler, and to deal with Hitler, we introduce the nuclear option, right? Mm. Well, Hitler goes away, the nuclear option's still around, the dragons are still there. What if Euron uses a horn to get a dragon? So now both sides have nuclear weapons. And yeah, I think anyway. that's that's a big. That is, in fact, a very. Uh, I feel like the show hasn't done enough to go there, but the book is. Uh, that's not. That's that's a, a not an unlikely way for how the book will get a uh, an enemy riding a dragon because uh, Euron is book. Euron is show Night King for a lot of the plot lines. So that's a good call. That's a good call. Uh, Zach Fish asked, why didn't Mel bring an army of red priests as backup? You'd think that she would have had broad support from Essos. We definitely f- 
thought that too. <laughs> we thought that was not unlikely, but uh, the problem is it's just more characters. It's just law of conservation of characters. They got to cast all these red priests, give them robes or whatever they got to do and just have Mel do it. You know, I think in the books, that's exactly what we're going to get. We're going to get red priests. We're going to get uh, just I- worshipers who aren't priests. I'm just really disappointed we didn't get my love Kinvara back. Yeah, that would have been nice to have Kinvara. <laughs> Good point. I didn't even think of that. That would have been great. Um, so it's not too late. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> Three Play- episodes to bring back Kinvara and feature the horn and you're I, I on. think it's 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 way too late. Yeah, I think it's way too late. <laughs> so With yeah, that attitude. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. Why? Uh, next question is from Jason Elkins. If any of you have ever listened to our uh, n- no longer active podcast, Fandom Media, Jason Elkins is announcer Jason. He says, going to miss the second part, but I think the main problem with this episode isn't what happened, but that the writers mostly didn't tell us any tell us why in world these things were happening. Excellent complaint. We were going to raise this on our own, so this is a perfect segue. Yes, we did not get an explanation for the White Walkers, for the most part, other than they were made by the children because they were losing this war against the First Men and or the Andals. It's not... And that's it. It's kind of that one or two lines of dialogue, which is better than nothing, but for such a big part of the show to just get only a couple lines of explanation, I do agree that's not enough. You know, uh, Jason's question here could, could apply to a lot of different things. Like, it's occurring to me that some of these, like, complaints or questions we have about, like, the battle strategy, why the Dothraki in front, of Yeah. Could have been explained away with a line of dialogue, you know? Yes, like, same like thing. I, I even same thing, threw yeah. that out randomly earlier, but if Danny just said one time, like, my troops will be out front. Mm. And someone could even stand up and say, but, my grace, <laughs> there wouldn't be a, uh, you know, your troops out of show the cup. My troops will be out front, you know? Yeah. It could be. It absolutely could be. And a lot of people are like, okay, sure. Yeah, you can be out front. Yeah, we're fighting the dead. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> Take that. Um, and, okay, and here's a good one, too. Like, I I defended John and Danny as Azor High and Prince that was promised because they did so much to make this battle happen and to get everybody ready for it. But the inverse of that, it does not seem that Night King, was to be defeated by someone that wasn't Azor Ahai or Prince that was promised. That part does not fit as well. I li- I've coined the term Azor Aharia, but <laughs> I think that's a fair criticism that it was set up. It isn't necessarily set up that John and Danny have to kill Night King, but it wasn't set up for someone else to do it except for the clues we noted with Arya much more recently. So I think that's fair that Arya was never wrapped up in any of this prophecy stuff like we called it other people called it because the foreshadowing was there but Arya wasn't part of the the prophecy stuff except for a little bit with melisandre and that feels like some of that may have been kind of adapted after the fact you know like they they said they've they said they've known for years that Arya would kill night king they said three or more years well that scene three or more three uh, at least three i think he said uh, i thought he said the past three years he may have but said, I'm not sure I think he said that. past three at least or something like that. It was, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't put pin him to that, even if he did say three, because I, the, either way, we can clarify this on Wednesday. The yeah, reason yeah, we don't yeah. have that is that <clears throat> we just arrived from. Florida. Yeah. So anyway, the point is that there's more to it necessarily than has been said so far, and more to it that's under the surface potentially. Um, Matt H says. Snoked. <laughs> yeah, that is a, that's very, very similar where which is when the main bad guy dies way sooner than you expected. Or perhaps he's not the main bad guy, but uh, which is maybe the true for Snoke, but not for Night King. 
Night King has been the main bad guy for a long time, or a main bad guy. Uh, sure, Cersei has been too, but anyway, <laughs> I don't need to repeat that complaint. So, <clears throat> yes, actually, Okalos Omilos says the true origin of the White Walkers from the prequel pitch in Jane Goldman and George R. R. Martin we trust. Yes, actually, I meant to say that. We got off, uh, I got off on a tangent, or maybe Sean did. I don't even remember. One of us got off on a tangent. And we are going to get this explanation that we didn't get in the show. Uh, this is, this, yeah, this was, this was responding to Jason's question, I suppose. We didn't get a great, thorough explanation for where the White Walkers came from. But this prequel show does intend to tackle that. And that might be entirely why they backed off on some of these details. They're like, hey, if this is going to get shown in the prequel show, this gives us more time to do other things. And I don't love that decision, but if we get it, eventually, if we get that origin, eh, as long as we get it, I'm cool with it. You know, I would rather it be here, but if we get both, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Imagine the the irony and depth that will be generated from a prequel. So many things like, oh, just like in season six, you know, like, <laughs> that's why. You know. That's true. That's true. Um, okay, so let's let's issue some more complaints. Uh, you let's unleash you with your full fury of things that were wrong with this battle, and I will agree or defend. Probably agree with a lot of them. Defend a few of them. Well, some of it might be with the the battle. Some might be with the presentation of the battle. I mean, um, yeah, exactly. All of it. Just wrap it all up. Yeah, yeah. In, in a ball, hit it. <laughs> and 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 a lot of it's we've already. Some of kind of hit on yeah. a lot of it. I've already kind of come to terms with in my mind, but um, like uh, one of my initial biggest complaints was that it doesn't make sense to have the Dothraki. It, it doesn't totally make sense to me to have them lined up in front of the wall in the first place. I felt like in general the army should have been lined up alongside, like flanking the wall. You know, um, maybe even totally behind it. Although that might to counter that, you know, that might be hard because the White Walkers are kind of totally surround eventually anyway uh so um it didn't make sense for me to charge out there but i can easily see that being kind of a random thing it wasn't the plan in the first place um it well, bothered me, me back up real quick just okay. to say that i think <clears throat> the most fair complaint that i think anyone can have i think is super agreeable it's, you should not argue with anyone who has this complaint no matter what your opinion is it was too dark they went for darkness and it's cool i like the choice to make it dark but it was too dark. Just too many times you just could not see what was happening. This yeah. Is, this is what the episode would look like for all of you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> let, let's let's look have, closely. Let's have, let's what do you see? Time. Yeah. Let, let's just do the podcast like this for a minute, I think, <laughs> and see how we all enjoy this. <laughs> Can I pick my nose right now? Is it a safe moment? Yeah. It's, it's completely black. They can't see anything. Okay, go good. ahead, Sean. Yeah. So yeah. So I didn't mean to interrupt Sean there, but I wanted that to start. With the that's like I think the yeah. most like you, you shouldn't like even if you didn't think it was too dark I you should not argue with someone who said it was too dark yeah um, and I almost did so so I'm <laughs> I'm talking to myself I should not argue with anyone even that. I who in general might want to defend this or not might typically would defend this like I I want shows to be more realistic I, like I'm even frustrated by them not wearing helmets more often that, that bothers me but i've just accepted it it's just part of how tv's got to be presented it's hard enough especially again when yeah. i remind myself of the average viewer out there we we, we it's, the idea of us like not knowing the name of a character right like pff, we, we know their name their house words their father's <laughs> name well, we know so much but there's a lot of people out there they like that's the one it helps out Sansa. They don't don't know Brienne, or maybe if they hear, oh yeah, Brienne of Tarth, it'll click in her mind, you know. But we're so thoroughly familiar with these characters. But put yourself in the shoes of someone who's barely keeping up with the names, just watches it one time, you know, 
and then put helmets on everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, and then imagine if you like turn all the lights off. It, it's just a tougher. It's already confusing because this battle, you're already jumping back and forth in a lot of different parts of the battle. There's the battles. This particular battle has a lot of commotion. You know, there's it's a swarminess of the yeah the, the whites coming so across. So many bodies, yeah. And, and a, all the fire. Part of me wants to maybe defend this a little bit, even though it's you know, like I start off defending it because it's more realistic, okay? Yeah. And <clears throat> but maybe you sacrifice this realism, just like not having people wear helmets, so the audience can tell what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Now, right. Yes. So if gonna, if you can, they, they make other concessions. Why not why that not this one? one? Yeah. Right. And I, I kind of missed what you guys were talking about because I was looking at the chat, but I also want to bring up sci-fi movies in space. There's no sound, but a sci-fi frequently has to make the decision, yeah. and some science fiction has had no sound, and sometimes they've managed to make it work, but most of the time, they're like, it just doesn't quite work for audiences. You want to hear yeah. the ship blast off, you want to yeah. hear the laser fire. Sounds are cool, like, like think about Star Wars, like, TIE Fighter sound is iconic, like, I don't want to have not lived, grown up with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true, yeah. So, um... So, a- another potential argument. <laughs> Hang on. Okay. Khaleesi is the redhead chick, right? It's from a comment I just saw. <laughs> yes, right in line with what you were saying. <laughs> Jakaris is the name of the dragon. <laughs> her name, yeah, her name is Khaleesi. That's right. Her full name is Khaleesi. <laughs> so, a- another angle here that might make me a little more understanding is that having it extra dark, they, they might get away with a little bit more. The choreography, whether or not the swords are really clanging, the CGI of the zombies or whatever, like they can, they, I can imagine it might have saved them a million dollars. A lot, yeah. You know what I mean? Like a, like a, a good like eight percent of the budget or something like that, which yeah. is a lot, yeah. Uh, just by having it dark enough, so they don't have to actually CGI out forty-eight whites in the yeah. scene. They can just do three of them in a rest or silhouette double, or double, whatever. Double, you double, know, double, yeah. they don't actually have to have. You know, Jamie crashing to the hard ground. They can have a a cushion behind them that's blurred in the darkness. You know, on and on. You know, I can I can see some technical production reasons. It makes it easier on them. I don't know if that's enough to justify it. You know, but uh, it's uh, it, it's frustrating. I, I wish at least in like certain moments could have been brighter. Or they could yeah. have found some Definitely. way to, to to increase the brightness here and there. My, my happy some of my happiest moments in the episode were when fire happened, not ju- not because of the whites being killed, but just because I could actually see fire I, in yeah. it. I said the same thing earlier. I was like, yay, with a fire pit lit. That means we can <laughs> see better. <laughs> so good. <laughs> um uh, going back to the Dothraki, you know, for example, I did say that the, the you know their standard way to fight is to charge, but they also use arrows. So it wouldn't have been that, I guess it wouldn't have been that hard to say, hey, don't actually charge them all the way. Just get close, shoot them with your dragon glass slash flaming arrows, do a lot of damage, and run back. That would have made sense, and it still could have looked cool if they're charging with their flaming swords. It still could have looked like that. Then run back isn't in their language. Yeah, run back is not in their language. <laughs> I guess that's the problem. But that would have been pretty effective, you know, like the whites wouldn't have been able to deal with that. You know, they could pepper quite a few and it wouldn't do. And that's the, the, but the biggest complaint about this issue, I think that's fair to me is consider their enemy. Like, yeah, maybe this charge will work. Maybe it will work. And I brought up the point about, you got to do desperate thing. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Sure. That's, that's fair. Still. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I was wrong earlier, but looking at it from another angle, why would you send all that fresh meat to them? (laughs) 
They're just going to kill that and it's going to come. That's what I thought was going to happen. It looked, it almost looked like that's what was happening when the scene resolved. Jorah comes back over. He looks so like wobbly on his saddle. You're like, is he alive? Yeah. That's a moment when it was too dark to tell. It was too dark to tell. And for a minute, like it wasn't until we saw Jorah again after that scene that I was like, oh wait, he isn't ravaged with blue eyes. And it makes sense in retrospect. Like, of course he didn't get killed and stay on his horse and ride the horse as a, as a dead white. Like they don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Which is why the Racky screamers, even though they're you know large or imposing, they're other not still going to be wielding their weapons and on their horses. Yes, I agree. And uh, comment here from uh, Putineska six two one. Everyone should have been wearing undershirts with dragon glass sewn into them, which is it's obviously making a joke. But if they had more time, they would have done that. And that's the thing about the Dothraki shooting arrows. Like I don't know that they had time to make enough arrows for whatever 30,000 Dothraki to have like a full quiver. You know, like we're talking about how, how under time pressure they were. Gendry was making weapons until like the last minute. Not <laughs> by the way, not just time pressure. That's a lot of wood. That's yeah. a lot of trees to You're chop right. down. You're right. A lot of trees to Raw haul to the cut. You know what I mean? Like they're already chopping down trees. It's winter. They need firewood. They need ramparts. The 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 catapults. They don't just have infinite resources. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so so another complaint. Uh, I'll maybe this will segue you to some other ideas, but I'll throw a quick one out here. When they come into the into the into the castle. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people yelling, man the walls, man the walls. Like, why weren't they on the walls already? <laughs> what are they just doing standing around in the courtyard? Just like, I mean, like, we saw that everyone had their own circle and they were drinking and telling stories <laughs> and some of them were having sex and that's where everyone was. <laughs> oh, oh, man the wall. Is it time for the... Is the battle happening? Oh. Someone go get Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it... It reminds me of another thing, too, that at the moment that it happened, I kind of rolled my eyes, and I I, I, I kind of decided in a big picture of things, like, it doesn't really matter, and I, you know, so many other things to complain about, but as long as you're going to, like, air all little grievances, the idea that, like, open the gate, open it, like, wait, is this Festivus? <laughs> <laughs> now comes the time for the airing of the, I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> Instead of dancing, is Easton and I are going to wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, just jump in real quick before you continue. Anyone who came in late, be aware, ha- the first half of the episode was praise, mostly. There was a few complaints in there. Second half, we're mostly criticizing. So if you're coming in and wondering why we're complaining so much, because we almost never do that, that's why. We've parsed the episode half positive, half <coughs> venting. You know, we use we whatever term you want. We just want to recognize it, even if we love it, that there were some problems with it. Yeah. Or even if we thought there were no problems with it, well, a bunch of people did think there were problems yeah. with it. They want to just ignore that. They can't all be wrong or stupid, you know? So Totally agree. Only 99% of them. The key <laughs> word here is nuance. You don't have to just hate or just love something. You can yeah. feel many things. Oh, in fact, well you remind said. me, Shay, because mm-hmm. earlier talking about the idea was I disappointed. Like, the, the reason I would be disappointed is because I expect so much. If I were just watching some random movie, you know, like, oh, whatever, stupid action. But, you know, I had high expectations because mm. they do such a good job, you know? Yeah. So. Okay. So, I, and, and it's a good point here. Sometimes we get, we get, we get irritated over things that maybe an explanation fits. For example, Bill Sotherby in the chat just points out the man the walls bit was meant to swap archers with infantry on the ramparts. And they explicitly said that. It's like, Back the archers off, replace the archers. They said that. So maybe okay. that's what it was. There wasn't yeah. room on the walls for everybody. We've already made the point earlier that Winterfell is too small compared to the book Winterfell anyway. There definitely wasn't enough room for everyone to be on the walls. Totally fair point. Maybe that's an invalid criticism. Yeah. Good example of that. So see, we just, we working it out right here. That's why, let me tell you another quick anecdote. When we finished watching the episode at Ice and Fire Con, most people gathered and started talking. 
I went to our room and sat there by myself for about 30 minutes. I, I happened to run into uh, Dark Mother, and so I wasn't actually by myself. We went out there and chatted, and, but we didn't talk about the episode. Yeah, I just so wanted time chatted, to process. Chatted. Yeah, <laughs> we chatted, but not about the episode. I just wanted to process, and so and and because of this, you know, sometimes we just. The initial react nothing nothing is wrong with initial reactions, but there's no way we have all the facts straight initially. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's so. Anyway, please continue. I don't know where you were. <laughs> uh, just uh, just a, a kind of a, a nitpick thing, but it just in context of the other things that went wrong. Uh, and, but we just kind of kind of explained one of them. But the idea that they would like raise the gate, they're like. You have like the most elite forces <laughs> two <laughs> continents in front of your gate. Why is the gate clear? Maybe eventually you close it, but right now is it really in fact you probably need to have messengers and supplies running back and forth, like why do they have to raise the gate to let Melisandre in or whatever, you know? Um <laughs> people are going off in the chat with the with the Seinfeld reference to moops and moors. Remember that when when the the Trivial Pursuit card was misprinted and the guy answers Moors and nope, no, George says nope, it says Moops. Sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> That's really good. Yes, and someone says the Moops are the Dornish in this in this setting. <laughs> Tough but fair. The Moopish. The Moopish. Um, so I, I want to scene that I haven't seen a lot of positivity or negativity on it's one of those kind of just kind of set aside maybe maybe just been kind of lost in the shuffle is the aria kind of by herself running around kind of evading the whites in the library which gave a lot of people jurassic park vibes uh dodging the um the velociraptors which yeah that's a good that's I that is a good that, but I like that, that is really good because it's the same trick like you can fool them with sound and it got people thinking it got us thinking one of the conversations we had at ice and firecon was like what senses do they have? Like, they don't seem to have a good sense of smell, which is, makes sense. Humans don't have, like, we don't, we don't have good senses of smell compared to the animal kingdom. But our sight's decent, and our hearing, nothing's wrong with our hearing, really. Uh, we don't have great hearing, but, you know, that makes sense. Like, what senses do they have? What do they respond to? Yeah. It's, it's not we a question we really need to answer. We but wouldn't necessarily smell blood on the floor, or, you know what I mean? Smell yeah. that someone's wounded or something like that. But we would hear a footstep, you know. Um, oh, shoot, I had a thought, and I just lost it talking about oh i just wanted to say my uh one of the panels i was on the one with rebecca and tomas um was on cinematic influences on game of thrones and we didn't even get through half the material that we yeah. could have and now we have new material that jurassic park like that's a good parallel i bet <laughs> i bet if you go back and watch those scenes yeah i see someone say here in the chat that or ask what, not sure what happened to Alice Karstark. It's something we talked about a little bit offline, that Alice Karstark appeared to be in Theon's units. She seemed to have a bow and was going with him, so it doesn't look like anyone, well, except Bran, survived that, so Alice Karstark probably wasn't a major enough character for her to get an explicit death scene. Well, uh, yeah, I, I wonder who's around there, and I wonder who else witnessed Arya kill the Night King, if anyone. Yeah, besides Bran, yeah, besides good Bran, point. It maybe she's back there. She didn't die. We didn't see her die, and she's one of the people that's like, <laughs> it was amazing. She ran behind the tree. She's like, I don't know what Theon's <laughs> doing charging. Like, I'm gonna go back <laughs> but here. No, I, I do assume <laughs> that she is dead, but yeah. you know, technically not a confirmed death, which I clarify because a lot of people are betting and stuff. Oh on yeah, these episodes and have <laughs> drafts and you know leagues and stuff like that. So when you don't know, <laughs> I don't know how they do that for these drafts and bets. That's a good point. I wanted to say something. Good question, rather. Go ahead. How you talked about you know at the end of it, there's no way it's all set in your mind. You don't need to reference anything or figure something out. 
whether it's the detail or your memory or your take on it. But <clears throat> one thing that I did kind of join this collective people, you know, and again, this is like, uh, this is like all of us at Ice and Fire Con, but a lot of the people at Ice and Fire Con are, you know, content creators, people who study this, experts, people know more than me for sure, you know, and we all came out after having just watched it. And I was in a group of five or seven people. Someone was talking about how R.A. used Cat's Paw to kill the Night King. And so I was like, no, 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 she used the tip of her spear. No, 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 she gave Cat's Paw. No, no, that was she. Sansa pulled out a daughter. And like, we all just watched the same freaking thing. <laughs> and none of us are like newbies that don't know what's going on. And we all, we were like, one or two people were like, sure, on either side. So then I started asking other people like, hey. What was? And then one person's like, I think it was this, and I'm not sure. And one person's like, it was definitely this. And someone's like, no, it was definitely like, we couldn't. And then Ashea comes up and she says, it was definitely this. Me and 10 other people just had this big discussion, and half of us thought one, half thought the other, and then we all agree with this. And I'm like, well, we just had this big discussion. <laughs> and like, so someone like pulled up the episode on her phone, fast found the moment. Sure enough, it was Caspal, by the way, to be clear. If anyone out there, it was Caspal. It wasn't clear yes. to you. It was certainly Caspal. But it took literally two dozen experts debating for 15 minutes they couldn't decide until we have visual proof to yeah, eventually, <laughs> eventually um our good friend matt matt m he just looked it up on his phone on HBO. he's like let's just solve this once and yeah. for all and like i'll see it and not deal with well maybe this journalist got it wrong and so we, just, <laughs> yeah. we saw definitively yeah and that's that's a perfect example of what i'm just saying is like how people sometimes you argue or you have a feeling about the show based on a detail you got wrong and once you get that once you once that's you're like oh that was that that you maybe that, that may not change your opinion but it may completely change your opinion yep yep so it's it's all yeah it's all part of the I mean, these are things that we are are pretty good at because we do this show so often. So we're it, it's part of our pre- pre- preparation to make these things. We're, it's our job to think about things from multiple angles. It's our job to think about things from angles we don't necessarily agree with. So I, I'm not criticizing anyone for not being sophisticated and thinking things through first. It's just that's what our habits have become over over time by doing this show. Um. Okay. I watch every episode at least three times. Same. The yeah. Podcast. Take notes, but not this time because but, we didn't yeah, have time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we only got it twice this time. Yeah. And usually, <laughs> at least one of those episodes, I'm like, pause, notes, rewind. Yeah. Slow, pu- fast forward, like a you know a, a careful studying of it, and uh, um, it's oh, it, suckers with your Monday stream. I still get to go through and go frame by frame, screenshotting <laughs> and everything before Wednesday. I'll be yeah. well prepared. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's neat for me how much my thoughts evolve, and you know, over twelve hours. Yeah, uh, that's why you thought part of I did. And and even with all that, like throughout this broadcast, like up to the moment we're about to start, in the middle of it, like oh oh, still coming up with new stuff. So <laughs> it's silly for me to think that I have it all figured out after I watch it one time. You know? <laughs> uh, F. Drellishak says the Ironborn could have watched the episode a thousand times by now. <laughs> <laughs> if, it's any, if it's the right they build ships yes he's right <laughs> someone else says here Sansa use this mundane dagger to protect yourself I'm keeping the good one <laughs> someone else says I thought the brand I thought the Night King was going to speak for a second to Bran I didn't get that vibe but I thought Bran might speak for a second there you know we're not sure <laughs> but I'm not disappointed he didn't. I just thought it might be happening because of the way they kind of drew that moment out. And he didn't immediately reach for a sword. He kind of just 
locked eyes with him, you know, like he really wanted to savor the moment of his revenge here. But nope, shouldn't have done that. There, there, it was like Oberyn, you tried to, you, you, you gloated about your victory. That's what happens. I, there's so many different things you can imagine being said there. Your, your mind almost goes crazy. Like, I almost want to just like, my head cannon is, they said this. And I can almost <laughs> feel that same way about when Sansa came into the crypts there. Like in my head cannon, she did it the way I would. Uh, but I can also imagine the writer's room, like they couldn't agree. And like, all right, I just won't say anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, let's talk about the crypts for a second. What we didn't like about the crypts, which I just thought that the crypts was kind of a, it was kind of, a, it didn't do much for me. You know, like we, we expected something. It was basically what we thought the most likely thing was. We had alternate theories, but the most likely was, yeah, the dead will rise and it'll, people will die. But really, no one important died. No named character died. Even that little girl with the Shireen face seemed to become out of that okay. Uh, and, you know, Gilly was fine. Masande was fine. Tyrion and Sansa were fine. There were, this, there just, eh, there just wasn't much payoff there. The, the, they never seemed to be in that great a danger. It looked bad, but I don't know. I can't exactly put my finger on it, but it just, it didn't really hit for me. I totally agree. In fact, this is, I kind of wish I had gotten this comment in earlier. This episode was kind of like a horror movie. Yeah. Right? And generally speaking, I don't like horror. Me neither. But, <laughs> but even within horror, I think they kind of failed. I think that this moment in Eclipse, the reason it was like this dreadful thing is because there were characters that, we, we expect the characters we care about, we expected to be down there and we expected them to be vulnerable and probably die. People who seem like they should be safe wouldn't be. Well, they were safe. They're yeah. fine. It's totally I, fine. I, I wasn't worried yeah. one bit. They didn't make it horrific. They didn't, no one seriously. The terror was killed. like from the outside. The most terrifying, most like conflicted moment in that whole scene was when Sansa was hearing the soldiers say, let us in and they were dying outside. That was like, that was real for me. But that was like, the I rest think of it didn't if, land very much. If we'd seen a character we kill, cared about get killed, get like grabbed and pulled in and right in front of Sansa's face and she or, shrieks. Or, or, and, or even imagine if, one one of the soldiers yelling let me in let me in is one of the characters we care about yeah, yeah. if that had been you know Dormin or, or someone yeah. yeah davos yeah anyone <laughs> just someone we knew yeah that would have been like a recognizable voice or we see them banging on the door from the other side and we know so we know who it is there's so many ways they could have made that so much more horrific yeah. and we barely saw anything and again they also there's so many ways they could have made these characters heroic after all Tyrion or sansa could have made a difference she even had the freaking dragon claw and by the way, in fact, even filmed it. <laughs> cut it out. They actually did in that moment when they kind of jump up and it cuts, I think, to John, that editing moment. Yeah. They actually did jump up and kill Whites in that moment. So yeah. I'm extra, extra frustrated with this. Yes. Um, uh, here's a good, you know, here's a new thought I had, maybe a way to frame things. I bought, I believed the tension before the battle. I believed it, a lot of it during the tension, during the battle, but it was more like, this is the tension of somebody who's about to fight in a battle, not in a battle against the dead. Like, the terror should have been maybe a little higher. You know what I mean? Like, this is really damn scary. And you're right. So that, that's because you, you raised that point with the horror thing. It was like, the battle tension was good. The horror tension, yeah, it wasn't really there. I, that's a good point. I didn't really think, I didn't, I hadn't parsed that yet. And that's, yeah. I think you think you're right. Real quick comments here. Zoilo asks, was winter hell foreshadowing? <laughs> good one, good one. Yeah, so back in season, I don't know if Arya, does Arya say winter hell in season two or is that only book? Well, you, mean, you mean hot pie. Hot yeah. pie, I'm sorry, yes. Is that, I can't remember if that was in the show it's or just It's in the book. show. It's it is in, in the, the show, show too? Yeah, okay. he asks, uh, you know, he, he just gets it wrong and calls it winter hell. Yeah. This, and this was a winter hell for all of these characters. <laughs> 
And uh, are you sure it was Hot Pie? I thought Hot Pie is the one who says, says you were yelling Winterfelder in the battle. I heard you. Because she was like, no, I wasn't. I yelled, go to hell. In the show, definitely okay, Hot Pie. That's probably what the change was from book yeah, to show. Okay, so I, I'm probably describing the book and the show is when Hot Pie says yeah, it. Hot Pie just doesn't understand. Like, how does he not? He just hasn't heard of Winterfell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, so, okay, so yeah, people are backing you up on that. So yeah, I'm just getting book and show mixed up. So, that's cool. Um, I don't know if it was foreshadowing, but it sure works that way in retrospect. <laughs> I don't know if it was intentional. Uh, from Sir Clintalot. Blown opportunity not using a white walker-faced Arya. She would have been wearing a face of death. That's kind of cool. I mean, then it wouldn't have been the sneaking up thing. She wouldn't have been using the same assassin skill. But I, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was a blown opportunity. But I think it would have been cool if she did that. You know, I think the way they did it was fine too. There's a lot of questions about the actual logistics of that, of how you get a White Walker face without, like, if they die via. Just That's shattering. true. It seems like killing yeah, them shatters right. them. It's not possible, I guess. That's a good point. Yeah, you well, couldn't do that. Well, maybe you could capture one somehow like they captured a white but this is a lot to ask of Arya yeah, I don't think <laughs> or so. anyone like how do you remove its face show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah, that's too much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they're gonna have to talk to him and like break you know like get it psycho- like psychoanalyze this white walker why do you hate humans so much <laughs> was it Was your, did your father do bad things spin off <laughs> Uh, so let's see here. Let's we'll go for a few more minutes. Uh, we'll get a Sean dance in at the end. So stay tuned for a little Sean dance. Better think of that song, buddy. You're getting close here. Uh, let's talk about a few things that were maybe surprises that weren't necessarily bad, but relate to something that I think was bad, which is that the stakes weren't quite high enough. We didn't seem like they were like, oh, you're gonna need the tears. You're gonna need tissues after this one. And, you know, some important characters died. It was tearful, but it wasn't, as, it wasn't nearly as tearful as they built it up to be. We, I, I was led to, we were led to believe that some serious characters would die, and it didn't, that didn't really happen. You know, and I, I'm not sitting here saying, I wish more characters would die, but I kind of am. I kind of am, am saying that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, you gotta, you gotta <clears throat> offer some stuff up to the many face God. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like there's, I went through this kind of back and forth. <clears throat> it was too easy to kill the Night King. Okay, yes. we'll start with that. But then, well, okay, hold on. How many thousands and thousands of soldiers died to kill the Night King? Right? It took, uh, and some characters maybe didn't die, but risked death. And some characters that maybe didn't die or even risked death, all most of them probably risked death, but also <laughs> like, traumatized for life. It's not like the only bad thing that can happen is you die, right? Having your friends killed in front of you, that's pretty bad. That's, you know, and that's a cost. That's, you know, I think it's safe to say that costs something. However, we didn't care about any of those thousands that died, right? As we're watching a show, we're not going to feel bad, as morbid as this might be. I think it's a Stalin quote. It says, you know, like, if, you know, if 50 people die, it's a tragedy. If 5 million people die, it's a statistic. It's a statistic, easy for me to say. Um, (laughs) So all those troops out there on the battlefield dying, we're not feeling, maybe we should, but we're not feeling emotion over it. But when Ed dies, like, oh, no, 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 you know. But I mean, I'm telling you, I'm sure out there, there are some people that love Ed. I don't want to say he's not deserving. But generally speaking, the average viewer out there, who would have hit harder, Ed or Brienne? 
Yeah, no you know question. I mean? There's no right. question there. As so much as we you, like Ed, there's you, no question. Yeah. If you think in those terms, and different people are going to have different opinions, but generally speaking, I think if everyone out there made like a top 10 list of characters, some people might have a certain character at 9 or 10 or maybe not make the list. But that but that character, a lot of people are going to have like two or three. You're going to see a crossover. You could come up with this sort of consolidated list and put them all together and get his average rankings or whatever. Maybe one or two people in the top 10 die. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, may, maybe none. I'm not sure how if how many people's list Theon would have got on or Lyanna Stark, but but no one in the top three, you know. And I think that's what we mean when we say there wasn't enough cost or it was too easy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I agree. It's funny. I see some a lot of. I've been watching the chat here and uh, got a lot of good comments. As always, there's the the comments and chats are really really good here. Um, I see a few familiar faces. I see a, a good comment. I want to highlight here that says. Uh, pretty pissed that there were no Mastodon whites. <laughs> there were the Mastodon, ma- the Mastodon guys were in, uh, now there's two comments here. This isn't Mastodon like, like uh. Bully Mammoths. <laughs> this is capital M like the band Mastodon. Cause there were Mastodon whites in the episode Hard Home. Three it of the four too, guys were in two. there. They could have meant both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's what I was gonna say. It works both ways. And there was a, a thin hope that because there were no elephants in the, uh, uh, in the Golden Company that maybe we would get some undead Woolly Mammoths. God, that'd be cool. But no. They they only had or maybe some ice spiders as big, big as, as cats as mastodons maybe, as yeah, cats. Is that what it is? Cat, I yeah. don't know something like that. Ice spiders as big as ghosts who we only got fifteen seconds of. <laughs> so that's uh, right. I I remember wishing that there were hounds as big as ice hounds as big as spiders. Yeah, it's funny. Every time we wish for it, it's like if we had lots of ghosts, it would be like we could wish for that. Because we're not wishing for that instead of ghost. Because <laughs> anytime you wish for something to be added, it's that is instead of ghost, which we're already not getting. <laughs> yeah. So I see. Uh, yeah. So let's let's take another couple minutes and then we'll we'll call it a night. Uh, Sean, did you have any thoughts that we haven't gotten to yet? I'm, any, I'm double any, checking. Any exactly large right. scale things we missed? You'll have more chances to to weigh in with anything that was like too big that you missed. We'll be able to talk about on Saturday as we talk about our predictions again. Saturday, we'll be back to our normal predictions and theories schedule, uh, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard on Saturday. And we have a whole lot to talk about on Wednesday. A whole lot to talk about on Wednesday. Me, Ashea, Lady Gwyn, will be going to town with lots of book-related stuff. There is more than you might have thought from a battle episode uh, as far as the books uh, go. So, I look forward to bringing that to you. I just have to say that... Episode two is my favorite episode in a long time and maybe my favorite episode, honestly. And episode three, I don't, there's a lot of things I hated about it. I really disliked, but it's also the one that's gotten me more fired up to talk about Game of Thrones than I have in a few years. Yeah. And it's not because you're fired up to complain. No, it's not (laughs) because of that. It's the exact opposite. I couldn't sleep. I was thinking so much about the implications for the books. It's true. You should have seen her afterwards. She (laughs) was, uh, she was, she was going a mile a minute talking about all these ideas. It was great. (laughs) Or we'll get, we'll get, we'll be getting that organized for y'all for Wednesday. So Sean, uh, any other thoughts? And do you have a song ready? Uh, there's this song, I, I, if I remember right, it's called Hide You by Koshin, and it's there might be more than one version, so look for a, a drum and bass version of Hide You by Koshin, Koshin, K-O-S-H-E-E-N, Hide You, and it's possible it's just yes, the letter U, it's, okay. I see a comment from Conbio Yacker, no one saw the giant sticky traps? That's why there were no ice spiders. <laughs> <laughs> they got caught in the bug traps. Okay, <laughs> Good call. Let's do this, fellas. I'll 
I'll do what I did last time. I will be the chat reader for While Sean is Dancing. Um, here we go. So this is the this is our official outro for this episode. And here we go. You get a little shot of Jack and the Cat of Black and White here too. Just do the whole, just do it all. We're going to go all the way. This is the end of the episode, so if people want to tune out, they can. If anyone wants to stay, can stay. Watch the Sean dance. Start the dance. Start the dance before I piss myself. And we're off. Kitty, says Duncan the Small. LOL, says Ruth. <laughs> you are a great guys. Love you all. Thank you, Daniel. Awesome from Michael Bertolino. The comment says, next episode, you should totally serenade the cat with the guitar. Jaspone says, sweet moves, man. Is this Fortnite, says Hitchens Immortal. Have you tried the robot litter open air? Great stream. Look forward to the next one. You guys love books. Excellent moves. Jacob is very curious about this. The cat is used to Sean dancing, clearly. Sean's dancing is making me thirsty for giant's milk. We have more cats are watching. Cat burn. I love you guys. Honk. See you. Whoa, cat butt. Someone says, what's going on? Anyone who came in late, you have entered the dancing portion of the stream, which is the end. We did a little over an hour of praising the episode a little under an hour complaining about it and nice little balance nice little split so and we got about almost 1900 people in holy crap I know. that is a new record for us uh by a lot yeah we did it quite hit 2000 so you think you can dance westeros white boy dancing man i need to get a cat treehouse so he stops using my goddamn desk <laughs> You've got the dance moves. I've got a stripper pole. We'll join our houses. <laughs> nice. Our feelings on the episode in interpretive dance. <laughs> He's been to a rave or two. Whoa, nice moves. That is awesome. Fantastic. Great stream, thanks. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Yes, next week, Aziz and Sean dance. If we get to 2000, I will have to join Sean uh, for comic relief. <laughs> but anybody, or I mean anybody? Anyway, thanks, everybody. We really appreciate y'all coming out to our later, later stream, our evening stream, our at post Ice and Firecon stream. And we will see you guys Wednesday and or Saturday. And more Game of Thrones action is coming. Valar rewatch us and Valar reread us.